0: Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode hello cinephiles and welcome to a special preview for a special live show i am steve morris and i'm here with my live partner hello we are coming to you because we are planning a 2021 year in review and a 2022 look forward and it's going to be live on the cinephiles youtube channel. This coming Sunday at two p.m. Pacific
1: time. Yeah, this is exciting, Steve. I'm I'm, I'm so looking. I know other places they do their year end review in the last year or last week of the year, but we're going to do ours in the first week of the year to kind of get away from the glut of all those people trying to put up their things. So. We're putting up our show in this manner, talking about the year in 2021, where we're at in cinema, where we're at in film, and then also preview some of the things we're going to be doing in 2022, including some Marvel stuff, including some explorations of our next director. And we're going to have some awesome guests joining us and having some fun with us to talk about all of this and answer y'all's questions and y'all's thoughts about cinema and the state of cinema in 2021, heading into 2022. Because I don't think...
0: John, has there been a more transformative year of cinema, uh, more than 2021? Maybe you have to go back to the beginning of the sound era or something. I mean, this is as huge a transition. And man, we've got some incredibly great filmmaking that happened in 2021, despite all the challenges. And 2022 looks like it's going to be just as interesting.
1: Yeah, a lot of moving pieces with streaming, with studios, with the box office, all of that. So we're going to talk about all of that with some pretty knowledgeable people, including ourselves and you all, for sure. (laughs) Well,
0: and that's the best thing is that we can't wait to hear what your thoughts were on the last year and what you are most looking forward to this year, both in the world of cinema, in the world of entertainment in general, and, of course, in the world of the cinephiles.
1: Yeah, so kick back, relax, take your shoes off, don't watch NFL football, and hang out with us at 2 p.m. PT on Sunday on the Cinephiles YouTube channel. So i right. Can't wait to see all of you then. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Cinephiles Live here on the Cinephiles YouTube channel. I am the outlaw, John Roca, joined, as always, by my co-host on this ride for the last few years now, Steve Morris. How are you? I'm good, and happy new year. We've happy got a whole new year, year of Cinephiles here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, for those of you who are joining us uh, live, we've been pitching this one for the last, I don't know, a couple weeks now that we're going to go live with this show Talk about the state of film in 2021, or if you're a bit highfalutin, the state of cinema in 2021, and then look forward to what we might be getting in 2022. Also talk about some of the things that we've got coming down the pike in 2022. Already, Steve and I are mapping out months and months ahead of time, but of course, <laughs> things pop up out of the blue and kind of adjust our schedule, but we've got a lot of fun ideas for 2022 to A, hey, keep earning your attention and your views and your listens to our show and also hopefully inspire a lot of you who haven't joined the Patreon yet to join the Patreon or to up your level of joining or being a part of the Patreon because of all the great content we're delivering for you all for sure steve let's check in we're just finishing the first week of january How are you feeling about 2022 already? We've suffered the loss of Betty White, the loss of Peter Bogdanovich, the loss of Sidney Poitier. A number of other people passed away this morning. I saw the Dobie Gillis lead. The actor played the lead in Dobie Gillis passed away. So um, the gentleman who organized Woodstock uh, passed away. I just recently saw him in a documentary for Woodstock 99 that's on HBO Max. So uh, how do you feel uh, now as we're starting with this kind of, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a cloud in 2022, or do you not feel that way?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for bumming me out right at the beginning of our show. <laughs> I like to start uh, negative and go <laughs> positive. It can only go up from here. Come on. <laughs> um, it, You know, the 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 people that passed away, of course, it's a, a, a loss. And certainly, certainly. I mean, Betty White was such a she almost made it. And I think yeah. it just like emotionally, I mean, the woman was 99 and had an unbelievable, amazing life. And the fact that she didn't make it the next Few weeks to get to 100 yeah. is sad, but it's not that sad. I think, you know, we had to celebrate her life in and Bogdanovich and, and Sidney Poitier. They're also older gentlemen. These weren't tragedies, but I do True. absolutely believe that this is a time to take stock and to honor these incredible people. And, and it's funny. Uh, I had a friend after Betty White died, I had a friend who said, I'm just worried about what the next two is because they always come in threes. And I said, sure. No, they don't.
3: <laughs> That's statistically
0: incorrect. How dare you! And then, of course, then two more people died. <laughs> and I
1: was like, damn
0: it. <laughs> never um,
1: doubt the reality of it all, man. I'm telling um, you. You just never yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, well, and it honestly put our uh, – Citophile schedule into a bit of a tizzy.
1: That's, true. that's um, true. Not that that's important in comparison to people losing their lives, of course, but for the way we schedule the show, I guess it is we have slightly less for.
0: important than the yes. death of important people. Yes, true. That's, that's slightly true. less important. <laughs> um, do you want to uh, announce some of the things that are going to happen this I, year?
1: Or? I do Not uh, Not already. I mean, we just walked into the show. I mean, oh, okay. We want to wait till a few more people show up. Absolutely. And then we'll start announcing some things. Let's, let's have more of a conversation about where we're at. You know, one of the big things we want to talk about here is the state of cinema in 2021. And, Steve, we're seeing a lot of people, a lot of critics, Mm -hmm. having this kind of groundswell pushing for the Spider-Man No Way Home film to be uh, nominated for Best Picture. But, Steve, I mean, we suffered through the COVID situation Already through 2020, it feels like we had the sequel, to use a term, in 2021 now over the last few months. Uh, As I woke up this morning, I read that Sundance has canceled all their in-person screenings, uh, and a lot of people were so excited to go back to Sundance. Um, We're seeing more. Disney announced that uh, Turning Red is going to be the new Pixar film. Yet another Pixar film is going straight to streaming on Disney Plus on March 11th. So we're seeing so many changes in the tides. We had day and date releases with Matrix, Godzilla versus Kong, and other films, Mortal Kombat, that came out streaming and also uh, in the theaters. And then we saw these big tentpole pictures like Spider-Man, No Way Home, Fast 9, No Time to Die, the James Bond film, kind of blow up at the box office. So when you're, and the Hollywood Foreign Press, the Golden Globes blew up on us in 2021 as well uh, with the racism and all of the accusations there and they're apparently changing their tune now as we're on the precipice of the golden globes, I think coming out tonight happening tonight at some point. So what's your feeling about cinema as we walk out of 2021 into 2022? It's so funny. I think first of all, obviously nobody
0: expected that we would still be dealing with COVID today. Yeah. I mean, when we started, we are like, well, this is going to be a couple of weeks and now yeah. it's two years later. And if you had asked me at the beginning of 2021, are people going to be able to make movies? My answer would have been not that many. It's going to be really, really hard. And yet, so the one thing I say is, I think it's amazing how many great films actually have gotten made in the last two years, that people have overcome this adversity. And I think it's just a testament to, you know, people who've worked on films know that working on films is adapting to disasters and reversals and Mm. problems. And each film has its own set of problems to solve. And I think in some ways filmmakers were some of the best people to figure out how to adapt to this because it's not like we saw oh they did smaller films or they did less complicated Mm -hmm. films it's like no these were big huge films that got made some of them very very successful so that's the first thing i'd say is that surprising and i and i think that the other thing is that we cannot we couldn't predict what was going to succeed and what was going to be good before right and now it's like you know if if you had said, you know, we have movies that were incredible movies that mm-hmm. just bombed, yes. you know, which is really, really sad and something to be examined. We mm-hmm. have movies that were not good, some of which I never saw, right. um, but I've told from my friends, the Geek Buddies, things like <laughs> Venom were not good films, but they no. made lots and lots of money. Yeah. You know, like we had uh, and, and this whole there's so much mystery in terms of the day and date and streaming versus movie theaters and because we don't know how much. Well, how much do those Pixar movies bring to Disney Plus? Mm, right. How many subscribers, and does how does that balance off against not having the theatrical release? We
1: mm. don't know these numbers, and so it's such a it's all such a mystery. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a mystery machine for sure. Paul saying uh, uh, enjoyed No Way Home, but Best Picture nominee. Come on, that's Paul's uh, response there. Um, I, I, yeah, gotta go say,
0: I, I gotta say, I gotta say, I. So I didn't see uh, No Way Home right away. It took me, okay. I was about a week after everybody else. Okay. A, fantastic job, everyone, not spoiling things. I mean, there were things that I knew ahead right, of time. Right, 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 right. But, but I didn't know about the, you know, a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I will say, I don't think, I can't think of a time in the last decade yeah. that I have seen more, not just universally positive comments in social yeah. media, but blown away, this was the greatest thing I'm seeing it five times. So Paul... I got to disagree with you. It's like, what about it is not ready to be nominated
1: for best picture. That's how I feel. Yeah. I think we're seeing a sea change uh, for lack of a better term in this approach to film criticism, in this approach to film appreciation. And then in this approach to award shows, you know, at some point these awards organizations and Steve, this is kind of previewing a cinephile short we have coming up, but these awards organizations are going to have to wake up and smell the coffee a little bit. That if a film is this widely beloved and is this critically praised, um, then people have to wake up for the fact that what other boxes does this thing need to check? Like does does uh, does Andrew Garfield or does uh, 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 was, uh sorry Tom Holland does Tom Holland have to be going through some sort of ch- uh, seat? Uh, what's the word? I'm, I don't know. Some sort of you know I, I don't know everything is there he's going through an incredible amount of emotional trauma he's dealing with a massive loss that occurs in the movie he's also having people showing up uh, from different dimensions to question to test him there's so much here uh that you could argue has a little bit of an art house uh characteristics to it don't it's not you know it's not a tangerine but certainly there's stuff here that you could argue has the bones of some of the stuff that we've seen and lauded and enjoyed uh in the past you could tell me green book is a better fucking movie than spider-man no way home i'm gonna say no i
0: i it's it, this is something we talked about in the Cinephiles forever is the idea that this genre should be elevated and these genres yeah. are less important or less difficult it's like to me look the tastes of the world have turned towards these marvel movies and movies like it and some of them have been fantastic and some of them less good and making a great one is just as hard takes just as much artistry just as much great craftsmanship just as much great acting as any anything else and the thing i'll say too is like did you laugh a bunch in spider-man no way home my guess is you did yeah did did you cry i did i did yeah. Like, were you thrilled by amazing
1: things? Were you involved in the characters? Were you, this is a good movie. <laughs> like- were, you, yeah, were you invested in the story? Yeah. Were you blown away by John Watts's ability to elevate the film to match the scope of what they wanted to do with that film? I mean, don't forget John Watts, an independent film director who was handed the Spider-Man Homecoming to see what he could do with it knocked it out of the park for the most part, went to the next level with the sequel, going overseas and whatever, throwing in Mysterio, and now we go even higher, and he's been able to pr- progress with each installment and add st- a little bit of his own instincts, which are arthouse instincts, along with the more mainstream approach to movie making. But I don't recall when a film that does well with the mainstream and is critically lauded and is loved by the fans of the film... Does not get nominated for Best Picture? I'm just because in God- Godfather Part Two was lauded as an incredible film in 1974, but it's fr- it was from a genre that was pretty much um uh, car- uh wh- what do you want to say pretty much uh, persona non grata yeah, in- a movie genre forever. yeah B movie genre exactly the gangster film genre was a B movie genre people forget so just as many people were probably saying. I don't think Godfather, it's a, it's a bunch of mafia stuff. We don't need to be glorifying mafia. We don't need to be doing that with our film stuff. I'm sure there were people or critics who had issues with that. So this is the thing that I think we have to kind of see that is changing within our cinema here as we go into 2022. It can't just always be arthouse films that get nominated for Best Picture. And in fact, Steve, in 2008, The Dark Knight not being nominated is what inspired the Academy right. to open the door to go back to 10 possible nominees best picture so comic book movies have been influencing changes amongst awards awards organizations uh, for quite some time here in the last few years you know it just occurred to me we, yeah. we've talked so many times about how the movies
0: that hollywood makes have changed and that it used to be that the big money movies were lawrence of arabia and bridge on the river Kwai, and yeah you know like that's what and, and, but it, two things about this one is those were all popular movies in fact if you looked at the biggest money makers of all time, yeah. they were the best picture winners. Yeah, Gone with yeah. the Wind, The Sound of Music, like these are The Sting. These are all right. movies that had been among the most successful of all time, all of which won Best Picture. Right. So, or maybe The Sting did. Did The Sting? I think it did. Sting um, won Best Picture, yes, 1973. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's one thing. But the, here's the thing that just occurred to me is that okay. I think as this shift has happened. We've seen more and more that it's the independent film, the so-called art house film that gets dominated for best picture, which right. it didn't used to be 20 years ago. That's not right. what happened. Right. And I think what, what's happened that it never occurred to me until just this moment is that that has created an expectation that that's what's supposed to be best picture. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, cause we've seen even comments in our feed of like, you know, that it's not artsy fartsy enough. It's like, well, this is a recent development. Yes. It was the big, popular, huge movie. Those were always nominated for
1: Best Picture. Right. You know right, Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you look at some, I'm, I'm looking at The Atlantic right now, which is as artsy farts as you can get in terms of uh, yeah. film criticism and film analysis. And they have Dune as their number seven picture of their top 10 pictures of the year. And Dune is a mainstream sci-fi, massive epic. So what separates Dune from Spider-Man No Way Home? He's also a young kid dealing with loss, dealing with a removal of someone very important from their lives, dealing with navigating a new threat that's coming from another planet, for God's sakes, not another dimension. Those things are correlative to me and having to figure out what to do with the assistance and help and inspiration of a young woman who ironically is played by the same actress. So I just find this to be... So interesting that Dune gets a pass because it's Denis Villeneuve, but Spider Man No Way Home doesn't get a pass because it's John Watts and Marvel. That seems wrong.
0: I think it's the anti Marvel thing because they're both. I mean, yeah. it's like is Dune more artsy fartsy than Spider Man No Way Home? Sure, yeah. it's more yeah. artsy fartsy, but artsy fartsy does not mean best picture to me. I mean, it's like right. I think I I think. That Dune is an incredible achievement visually. Yes, I think they did a fantastic job of adapting a very complicated story. Right. I think I like down the line. I was like, because I so I reread the book right before the mm-hmm. movie came mm-hmm. out because that's the kind of thing that I do. <laughs> um, and I think it was like it was right out of my brain. I think mm-hmm. they did such a good job of visualizing right. things and how the character moments were all there. They really did a great job. I enjoyed Spider-Man: No Way Home more than I enjoyed Dune. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a more enjoyable film. Right. And, and again, I I think Dune probably does deserve to be nominated for Best Picture. I just don't understand why this movie that everybody loves is one people are going like, no, we can't, we can't
1: do that. Yeah, right. It's a bridge it's, too far. It's a bridge it's bizarre. too far. It's bizarre. I need to nominate the film about the orange. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know what it is? You know, you, yeah. What it
0: what it is too is like there's a difference between going, man. I really wish Hollywood was in the business of still making, you know, movies like these yeah. big important films, but just because I wish that isn't a reason to not recognize the movies that they are making. You know, mm-hmm. like people like superhero movies and the really really good ones are really really good just like a oh. really good musical is a really great thing or a really good you right. know whatever mysteries are really great you know it's like silence of the lambs is a serial killer thriller yeah yeah that swept the oscars why right. because it's a really really well-made movie right
1: right you know yeah well, great point great point as you see it all the time you know so yeah. we're changing things are changing uh, and speaking of changing, maybe now, Steve, 20 minutes into the show is the right time to start kind of previewing these things that we, we're we going to be bringing to our listeners, our viewers, our fans of the Cinephiles. Um, for those of you who are watching and listening right now, we've got guests who are going to be coming in here over the next couple of hours to hang out with us and give us their opinions, movie critics, friends, hosts pundits all coming in to hang out with us and give us their thoughts on 2021 and 2022 but with 2022 steve we got some ideas uh for the show for our podcast uh what do we got coming up um well uh let's
0: see which one do you think we should start with please i
1: I threw it to you so you choose. all right all right well we're
0: talking about uh marvel films we kind of said what we thought we were going to do and now we are officially announcing here is our plan. Everyone's been asking, how you, what are you going to do about Marvel films? Right. We Our plan since we ha- have this 10-year rule is that we are going to discuss every single Marvel movie on the anniversary of when it came out, which right. means that 2012, 10 years ago is when the Avengers came out in May. Mm-hmm. So we will be discussing the Avengers in May, but the problem is there were some movies that came out in 2010 and 2011. And so we got to do a little catching up, which we already we did, did, I think. Yeah, 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 we did Iron Man. So we yeah. have the movies that we will do before May are mm-hmm. Thor, uh Hulk. No, sorry, not not Thor. Sorry. Iron Man 2, Hulk and Captain America, the first Avenger. Right. We have to do all of those before we get to the Avengers in May. Right. Here's the thing, though. There are some different levels of quality within some of these Marvel films. Very true. And so we don't necessarily feel that all of those deserve the full cinephile, possibly multi-part treatment. So some of the lesser films, I'm going to say probably Iron Man 2 and Hulk, are going to be cinephiles live shows. Yeah. Whereas I think you and I both like Captain America, the first Avenger a lot. Yeah. That is going to be a regular cinephile show. Yeah. And then in May, we will be doing The
1: Avengers. So that is a big hunk of what we're going to be doing over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. You guys have been clamoring for us to tackle more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is absolutely going to be happening in 2022 and beyond with the cinephiles that we're committing to doing um, on the 10th anniversary uh every one of these films when they came out so we're going to kind of tackle it all and have some fun with it we hope you come on the cinephiles live shows to give us your thoughts on the on those marvel films that we're going to be covering for those particular shows and we hope you enjoy when we do our deep dive into the marvel films that we will be deep diving into and we haven't even announced if we're going to be bringing on guests for those which will probably extend them out, but uh, you know, that's certainly always a possibility with Steve and I, uh, for sure because we love that having uh, multiple points of views besides ours to give us some new perspective on these uh, films. Well, you certainly have access to a lot of uh geek pundits <laughs> through the Geek
0: Buddies. I was just True. listening to your uh Boba Fett spoiler oh, review yeah. on the Geek Buddies again. I am a huge, huge fan of the Geek Buddies. I Thank think you. everybody, I'm assuming everybody already subscribes to this show, but if they don't, what are you guys doing? You're missing yeah. out.
1: Yeah. Please, go subscribe to it either wherever you download the podcast or head on over to the Outlaw Nation channels and subscribe to that channel so you can get all the Geek Buddies stuff for sure. Um. Yeah, listen, we're not <laughs> level two, so Steve is uh, shitting on Thor 2. No, no, we're not shitting on your Thor 2 level two trading, but some things are just true. And as much as I like Dark World and certainly I know people who like Dark World, I think we have to understand that a majority of people don't. So it's best to just do it as a live. And those of you who love Dark World can come in live and defend your film against the other people who might be in the chat who don't like it quite as much. So that allows for a little more of an interactive approach to uh, looking at these at this film. Yeah. By the way, I don't think I said anything about Thor 2. I said Iron Man 2. Oh,
0: I see. So there you go. Yeah. Level 2. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But level Listen. two, I don't like Thor 2. So you oh, you you read go. my brain. It's go. okay. It, it's funny. I don't think there's any Marvel movie that I walked out hating it. Yeah. I right. think I think
1: there were some that was like, okay, all right, you know. Well, I have to say I walked out of Captain Marvel not liking it, but revisiting it for the show I do on stereo with the Lady Outlaw, um, I had a whole new appreciation seeing it through her eyes as a woman. And I really appreciated that, um, and it changed my perspective on it. Not that it, it got better necessarily, but it certainly wasn't as reviled in my mind as I had an originally uh, thought about it. You know, and so I thought that was a nice um, eye-opening experience for me personally. So Car- Karen agree- loved it. Car-
0: Karen, Passed it's, it. it's Karen, kind of the same reaction. I think I, I don't
1: think it's as good a movie
0: necessarily, but in terms of you know passing the the Bechdel test. Yes. Just like, this is a woman's story who is a powerful, interesting character. Yeah. I think it is kind of groundbreaking,
1: even if it's not the best movie. Absolutely. Um. Philippe asks, he says, you guys have done the best picture winners of 62, 72, 92, the Godfather and Unforgiven respectively. Will you do Gandhi from 1982? Steve, do you want to tell people about my push for Gandhi for but, many, many years?
0: I have. You, you say that as if I've resisted it. I've, I've pushed for it too. I wrote you an email saying, "Dude, we really need to do Gandhi." Yes, we, we, so we, we totally want to. I know it's one of John's absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. I watched it a ton as a kid. I haven't watched it in forever. Wow. It clearly will be a multi-parter. Yeah. So maybe. I mean, we, we our schedule is so, <laughs> but maybe. So yeah. after May, the 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 schedule yeah, is. Afterman. so yeah. so, so i think uh we will let's just let's just lock it say we're doing it in may or in early june
1: well we could do it as a way of kind of maybe doing an oscars season approach to our podcast in the latter half of the year maybe start doing it in october mm. november and in december i know we have the christmas film but maybe focusing on films that were that have that kind of oscar potential uh, or oscar shine to them I know we've talked about the best years of our lives a few times, so that could be a place to put that as well. So maybe, maybe. But we're also, and this is something I hope I can uh, put out loud here, Steve, for the fans and the listeners, we're also focusing on more of those quote-unquote crowd-pleasing films. We definitely want to focus on those films as well. So the Cinephiles has been, I think, we've been great at covering films that are crowd pleasing and also going back in time to cover some of the smaller films or some of the more black and white films that people don't revisit quite as often as they should and some of the classics and everything in between so we just want to focus more a little bit more this year on also hitting some of these crowd pleasers marvel is a part of that but also other films that we've kicked around and wanted to have fun talking about and uh, diving in deep on them we really want to do that as well so uh, that's something we're focusing on this year Uh, And also, don't we have a survey coming? Should we tell them about the survey? Oh, that's right. You know what? Uh, Damn it.
0: Uh, I I was going to actually have this published. You know, I'm going to do two things at once. Yes, we do have our annual listener survey. And one of the biggest questions since we have our 10-year rule about, although, one thing I should say, there is a question about the 10-year rule and whether or not we should continue it is that there's there's nothing written in stone that says the cinephiles can only do movies that are more than 10 years old that was an arbitrary thing that we created a long time ago and maybe it is time for that to change so but i am going to have to multitask slightly because i just have to push the button to make the survey officially live there we go and then we can put the link up right here because one of the other questions though is assuming we continue to have the 10-year rule 2012 is now open and that means there's a whole bunch of new movies for us to do. And the other question is for the last two years, we have redone films that we did in the early much shorter days of the cinephiles yes. we redid raiders of the lost ark the very first movie we ever did and turned it into a multi-part episode yep. we turned die hard into a three-part episode that was so much fun <laughs> yes, uh, it was such a great movie to explore <laughs> and so now it's what question what film from the early days of the cinephiles would you like us to revisit well yeah. i'm going to open up that uh, survey right now and we'll get you the link in just a second
1: it's <laughs> <Amadeus. laughs> on the list um yeah, so right, exactly, so that's the thing that we're putting in for i you know i i I had been thinking about things um over the Christmas break, and stephen- Steve and I have had discussions about the ten year rule in the past as well, but this time around, I felt like going into twenty twenty two it's always good. Steve is so great at like having ideas for for the show and what can we do and what you know great ideas and stuff like that we we kick around stuff sometimes i'll come up with something but steve does a great job of that and so this time around when i was home i was like this could be an interesting way because i've been hearing the sound from some of you all who listen to us and and watch us that you want us to kind of break that 10-year rule every once in a while for certain special exemptions and i think we did it for black panther which was completely worth it but i also think maybe it's time to retire that rule so if some of you feel this way it's on the survey there for you all to feel to to vote on it for sure because some people are very adamant and appreciate the 10-year rule because it allows a film to marinate it allows a film to kind of achieve a certain status whereas five years might be all might be enough for some films so who knows so it'll be up to you all and what you say for sure so um Paul John, I'm yep. I'm sending you the link
0: in the private chat so you okay. can put it out. So hold okay, on one good. sec, and 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 maybe part of the solution is just there's nobody forces us to keep this all the time. Is that we can be flexible? Yeah. Is that is that it, a special movie comes up and we really want to do it? We're going to do it. I yeah. I think at the very least that is something that is totally reasonable.
1: Uh, yeah. She's Mackenzie. here says, I like the 10 year rule. So there will be people who defend the 10 year rule. So, all right, here is, I'm going to type this in. Here is the survey for you all to, uh, download to to access and then, and, uh, toss in your votes or cast your votes, um, on the survey. So here we go. I'm going to put the link in here. Um, Boom. And also, just to remind you all, the Streamlabs and the Super Chats are open. I'll oh, see. I, I'm blocking my first troll here. Uh, but yeah, sure. streamlabs and super chats are open, ladies and gentlemen. So you know, what is your thoughts and opinions about what we're pitching for 2022? But also, what's your feeling about cinema in 2021? And as we go into 2022, what do you see happening uh, in the world and in the state of film and cinema? Let us know there with your streamlabs and your super chats, uh, for sure. So there we go. Um, all right, I put the survey there in the chat. It's under the Cinephiles um account. So uh, click on that or copy and paste it, put it into a new tab and leave it there for when we're done with the show for you to go and, um, you know, fill out the survey. And if you can do both at the same time, knock yourself out. It's a free world. Listen, uh, I could publish the survey at the same time
0: as appearing <laughs> on camera. That it seems to me that you could probably take the survey while listening to us. It's like five questions.
1: Yeah, I feel. Um, so. Oh, there we go. It's very yeah, very simple, is it's simple. pretty simple.
0: Um, um, anything else we want to announce for 2022? Right now, Steve. I, I, I think. I mean, it's I'm happy to announce all the stuff if yeah, you're if you're it. up to. So well, So the it. next one I'll say is so. A uh, Sydney uh, Poitier just passed away, and that yes. of course threw our schedule into a bit of turmoil. But we feel. This is an incredibly important person to cinema. And so the first thing we're doing is we're going to re-release the only Sidney Poitier movie we ever did, which is In the Heat of the Night, which is an incredible film. Winner of Best Picture 1968. And uh, and we've also recorded a new intro, Mm -hmm. just really going into our feelings about this incredible actor. But we also feel that's not enough. So that's, I think, yeah. going to come out tomorrow. We're going to put that out. Yeah. Uh, um, but right now, right before I got onto this live show, I was watching another movie from the exact same year, yeah. which is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Right. And I want to tell you how this came about was after after when someone passes away there's this ghoulish thing that i end up doing is I or text john or john texts me it's like okay i guess we're gonna do a movie of this person (laughs) Um, if we haven't done one for a bit yeah and you know the thing that happens where you text someone and they text you at literally exactly the same time (laughs) this is what the texts were i wrote to john well i don't think we should do guess who's coming to dinner at the same moment, Jean wrote to me and said, I, we have to do Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. <laughs> and I said, well, I think it's more uh, Spencer Tracy's movie than it is Sidney Poitier's. And he said, it's totally Sidney Poitier's movie. And I went, well, now we have to do it. Yeah. I mean, like, that, that, just just that moment of disagreement and the fact that we, it was like, and I love this movie. I yeah. love this movie. Steve's- it's not, yeah.
1: Steve's cleaning it up. I said, "Are you insane? This is absolutely a Sydney Poitier <laughs> movie." And I even reached out to my friend Maurice and told him about our back and forth. And he, Maurice, who's my uh, friend from back home, he's a city manager there in uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, but he's or Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and he said, "Are you insane? Of course, that's a Sydney Poitier film." So to me, I'm like, "Yeah, I feel so." So this is going to be a fun discussion uh, because I I've never thought of it as a Spencer Tracy film. So I'm very curious to hear Steve's point of view on it as we discuss it. So yeah, it's, that makes it all the more exciting when we don't a hundred percent agree on the, on, a, on an approach to a film that makes for a fun episode, usually between us. So yeah, even that, though
0: we both agree that we love the film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, it, absolutely. And it is such a perfect contrast with In the heat of the night, which was made the same year. Oh, God. Um, and It's funny. A, a little preview watching it right now. Yeah. I am amazed at Poitier's performance in this movie and mm. how totally different it is from in the
1: heat of the night. Oh yeah. Like it is just polar opposite characters, you know. You, you compare any of his speeches in that in Heat of the Night to the speech he gives to his dad, which is powerful. Just oh, yeah. so powerful. You know, two generations of black men. You know, and I just saw the tragedy of Macbeth and we have some of that in the tragedy of Macbeth mm. when Corey Hawkins confronts Denzel Washington, Corey Hawkins being Macduff, Denzel playing Macbeth. Their confrontation at the end of the film and the dialogue they have with each other using Shakespeare's dialogue, it is fascinating to throw in the context of a younger black man versus an older black man and their approach to the world and what they've each experienced differently at different times. And of course, we saw that in Falcon and Winter Soldier with Sam and with Isaiah Bradley, where Isaiah was like, they'll never, never have a black Captain America. And Sam's like, they will. And it's me and so it was like so very interesting i love that we're getting more nuance and exploration of that within black representation in numerous films Yeah, it's, it's so funny you bring that up I, I
0: for me falcon and the winter soldier was the most disappointing of the marvel shows mm-hmm. and that was the thing that i wanted more of like yeah that, I, th- I think you. that was the mm-hmm. most interesting thing and i think yeah. we spent so much time on the other plot stuff that i was like no no this is an amazing question and i don't yeah. feel they really answered that question i don't i mean yes They did have him become Captain America, but I don't think I felt it was a little it's funny thinking about Guess who's coming to dinner, because in a lot of ways, Guess who's coming to dinner is about that same question. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like in a weird way. And I think they didn't engage as much, didn't have as much. There wasn't enough resistance to him becoming Captain America socially in terms of race. We didn't delve into that as much as I wanted them to. Yeah i love everybody that's in the movie and yeah. i think that you know i just want it it was one of those who were like oh i wanted more you know yeah i agree with you and a
1: thousand percent uh someone's uh, a couple of people were asking if we're gonna do anything for betty white should we do it short for betty white is that something we should absolutely throw in i think yeah. she's i mean she, it's funny i just heard
0: an interview with her uh, fresh air had an older interview oh, and, nice. and, and and terry gross is such a great interviewer he and is. and uh she asked did you ever want to do movies? You never did a lot of movies. And she mm. said, I, and Betty White said, I never wanted to do movies. <laughs> she <laughs> said that it's so much more fun doing TV. It's a, it's a regular job. You get to work with the same people all the time for a long period of time, yeah. as opposed to you show up and do a thing and then it's over. Oh, and, and, and she also loved the intimate relationship with the audience that you have through TV, because you become part of the family with That's TV true. in it's a, a way. It's so, and so she's not a cinephiles person. She's right. not a person that made films, but she is awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. so totally, we should absolutely do a short on her. Yeah. Would love to do that as well. We got a stream live that came through from Notorious by Chance. What's up? Good to see you. It says, love you guys. Thank you for everything you guys do for the film community and us movie nerds. Hope you guys have a fantastic 2022. Thank you, Notorious by Chance. Thank you so much. Yeah. Very Um trying to get me on their show we will we'll we'll figure that out
0: i know uh you sorry go ahead steve no i see i see in the comments going by that uh philip h asked Mm. would you cover the last picture show for bogdanovich yeah that movie is very interesting and especially now john what do you think should we cover the last picture show
1: (laughs) yeah we've talked about that i've never seen it so i think it would be one of those films that i would be very curious to watch now uh, and see what i get out of it because i'll tell you this this is never far away from me this incredible book where peter bogdanovich and the series of interviews he did with orson wells these are phenomenal this book look how look how great look how brown it is and frayed it is because i go back and read this all the time i've respected peter bogdanovich as an interviewer some of his points of view some of his perspectives haven't always agreed with but uh, he's a guy who is very knowledgeable about film and uh, very willing to speak about film. And so, uh, but Last Picture Show is a film I've never seen, even though that's the one that put him on the map. So, it would be a good inspiration to see the film and have the discussion with you about it for sure for our fans. I, first of all, want to second the mm-hmm. importance of that book.
0: I'm the same thing, I haven't yeah. it's probably been three or four years since I've read it, I've probably read it five times. Yes, yeah. it, it is the, it, I think. It's, you, you and I both are just obsessed with Orson Welles. You and I yes. both read many biographies. That book, to me, is the most true yep. version. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I feel like I got to know Orson Welles the best in that book.
1: Yes, agreed. Um, Even a- with some of the flourishes where you don't 100% believe he's telling the truth, Oh, that's yeah. still, you're still getting... Exposure to who this guy was as a person, yeah. Well, you're hanging out with him, I mean, yes, that's what, basically it. And, and, yeah. and you also
0: hear he exposes some real vulnerability in that book, yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be really curious what you think about Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. It is a full 70s film, in yeah. the um, it deals with some stuff and it doesn't Good. deal with things in a wrap a bow on it and this is what it means way. It deals mm-hmm. with it's a 70s film, you know, right? Right, um, uh, it, I, I. Yeah, I don't I literally have no idea what you're going to think of it, but yes, I absolutely think it's something we should do on the cinephiles.
1: All the more fun uh for sure to to dive into that one for sure. Um and uh should we talk about anything else that we're doing coming up in 2022, Steve? Well, you know, John, uh <laughs>
0: every every year for the last many years, we have devoted what started off as a month and has become longer yes. into the work of a single director. We started yeah. of course with Orson Welles, then we did Alfred Hitchcock whose films we had totally not on purpose avoided you know we just didn't do a hitchcock film for so long and then our most requested films probably ever were the godfather films and so we spent not one month but i think it was two over um, two over two months on the godfather films yes um it was a long time and a very deep dive and there is another filmmaker whose work we have not purposely avoided but he's one of the most important filmmakers and is still a filmmaker working today and we are going to, it's not going to be right at the beginning of the year because of some things that recently happened, but yeah. we are going to be spending
1: probably well more than a month on Spike Lee. Yeah. Spike Lee is our next one. We've been kicking around this idea for a couple of years. Now we feel like this is the approach. Oh, no, this is the time to approach Spike Lee. Uh, we've got a number of interesting new uh, tactics Uh, Mm -hmm. and methods that we're going to use to cover Spike Lee uh, and to talk about it. And it's not going to be the standard, let's just invite a black pundit to be part of the situation. No, we wanted to do something more. We wanted to give more respect to the work that Spike Lee has done. And so we've got a number of ideas that if it comes to fruition and we pull it all off, I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. You guys and gals are going to absolutely love um, what we uh, end up doing with uh, our approach to Spike Lee this year in 2022.
0: Um, I'm <laughs> really looking forward to it. And it's funny, I I, I started because I started researching Spike Lee and then uh, Peter Bogdanovich and Sidney Poitier died. And so that right. kind of got put aside. But he's a really important filmmaker for me. Yes, I I, I think he is a truly life changing filmmaker for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in I would terms agree with of that. The, yeah, in terms of the way I saw the world. I don't you know I talk so many times about this play I did in college where I mm. partnered with the uh, Black Theater Workshop and wrote this play about racism with an African American playwright Reggie Coleman. Okay. And uh, I don't think that would have happened without Do the Right Thing. Yeah, I yeah. think Do the Right Thing. My head exploded, and the direction of my life in a lot of ways, as you know, a white Jewish kid from the suburbs, mm. like suddenly I this whole other world that I knew so little about, opened up and I said, Oh, I need to, I need to learn about this. And th- right. that has been a lifelong process of trying to learn about a world I didn't understand. And Spike Lee, I think really is the beginning of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the experience was, and I will repeat this on the show, I'm sure, but the experience was, oh, wow, someone is putting on screen the stuff that we have talked about within our own ethnic communities for a number of years, for decades, in some instances, or generations in some instances, and to see it up on the screen like that was so incredible. And then I would agree with you because in, because watching Malcolm X is what got me to quit my fraternity, quit my school, mm. uh, and uh, change my life completely. Was that? And I got to tell Denzel Washington that when I interviewed him off camera for Equalizer Part Two, I got to tell him, "Thank you so much for making that movie, being part of that movie. That movie changed my life because of the things that you said in this particular scene." You know, and that's of course dialogue written by Spike. So yeah. just, there's a, a so much of his movies that came along for those of us of a certain age that kind of changed our points of views and our perspectives on the black community and the black experience in this country and it's still changing our points of views or evolving our points of views on the black community the black experience in this country with black klansmen and those recent nine eleven series that he did the series he did on hbo max which if any of you watching or listening to us haven't seen you have to see it is incredible so
0: that i malcolm x you know we started this by talking about marvel movies and the kind of mm-hmm. movies that hollywood doesn't make
1: malcolm x yeah I mean, that, that is an
0: incredible incredible and, film Yeah, and
1: almost didn't get made steve because yeah. spike had to borrow money off numerous black uh, uh celebrities in order to finish malcolm x because the studio wouldn't give him that much money uh and that would never pass muster nowadays I would never pass muster nowadays. If, you, if, if a black filmmaker was being barred or wasn't being funded to create a film about a black trailblazing uh, activist who changed the world, uh, the uproar would be insane on social media. So
0: it, it's incredible. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, it's really hard to get money to make a film. And you don't, there, you don't think there are all sorts of black filmmakers or fil- all sorts of... There are all sorts of people trying to make films that can't get money to make their film. Yeah, I don't I, know. Does that I mean,
1: uh, good. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think there's. I mean, I bet if we called up Spike Lee right now and say, "Hey, are there movies that you wanted to make that no, no one's giving you money to make?" He would say, "Absolutely." All right, but if they're on the level of Malcolm X, I would be surprised. I, I it's funny. I remember hearing
1: about making of Selma. That movie took a long time to get funding. But I'm saying now, post Black Lives Matter, I think okay. now. The, uh, the avenues are more available. The money is more available because studios and companies fear a social media backlash. They fear a political backlash or a boycott. There's this huge, I think that's huge now, as opposed to, I mean, because the amount of filmmakers and uh, showrunners of color that have exploded all of a sudden over the last two or three years, by the way, we could always do this. But have exploded yeah. in terms of opportunities, in terms of being hired, in terms of having their stuff greenlit, is off the charts. But of course, that being said, in terms of f- female filmmakers, the numbers went down last year, which is really not good. Right. You know, so there's still Steve. There's still validity to your point, absolutely. That in some areas, you know, maybe it's not as easy as we think, and in other areas, maybe it is a little bit more easy than it was before. So, you know, you know what I find fascinating yeah. is that you would think
0: that you would be able to predict. Oh, John is the more cynical one and Steve is less or Steve is the more <laughs> cynical one. But actually, it totally flips. There is so often yeah. that you'll be the more cynical one and I'll be the more like never. And sometimes the reverse, like when yeah. it comes to raising money for movies, I'm really, really cynical. Well, true. super true. cynical. True. Um, yeah. But that's good. I think, yeah. you know, I think if we had predictive and it's funny, you know, there's sometimes where you're more conservative and I'm more liberal and sometimes the reverse. Oh, yeah. Like and I think that's part of what makes these conversations fun. Yeah, is that we're not always on the same.
1: We don't just. It's not always like the right and the left. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. This is a great suggestion from Paul. He says, "Social network, guys, that would be a good one. In fact, a month of Fincher would be great. Now we've we've promised to do social network, and we've promised to do it with Scott Mance. So that is correct. At some point, we will be tackling that. But Steve, maybe next year." A month of Fincher wouldn't be a bad idea with seven Zodiac social network, a number of other fantastic films that he's done. Could be interesting thing to explore for
0: us for sure. That's a really good point. And by the way, uh, uh, someone posted about the interview with Halle Berry talking about struggling to raise money. I heard, yeah. I believe that was on, also on fresh air. That was, I heard mm-hmm. her on Terry gross talking about that.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, she was raising You mean like recently for the MMA film that she yeah. was the lead in? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I mean, MMA films, no one's clamoring for MMA films and Warrior is One of the greatest films you're ever going to see sports wise. And it didn't make a dime, you know, and it was a fantastic film with two great actors in the lead. So, yeah um all right let's see here all right so a lot of people finishing up the survey so thank you all so much for finishing up the survey for steve and i for sure all right let's move on steve you said you had some questions you had some ideas that you wanted to bring up on the show as we're waiting for our guests to show up uh, randomly throughout the next hour and 15 minutes what do you got well i i was curious just just
0: to start off and i know these are topics you've talked about a lot on the geek buddies but mm-hmm. um what do
1: a- before we dive into that yes Speaking of a geek buddy, oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome noted actor, author, teacher, historian, and all-around geek buddy, Shannon McClung. (laughs) Shannon McClung, ladies and gentlemen. Shannon McClung. Sorry, Shannon, let me take that thing off you (laughs) uh, real quick here. Here we go. There ah, there there we go. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize
4: for the echoey sound. I'm currently in the room that is going to become my office in about two weeks so there's nothing in here at the moment it's me in a chair i'm currently sitting on the carpet
1: (laughs) i love it Um, um so steve steve was so shannon steve was about to bring up a question about the state of cinema or the world of cinema now uh and so if you don't mind um let us listen to steve and then we'll answer it let's do it um
0: uh and I have another question I want to ask Shannon since when he's on, but but we'll start with so we've had a year of streaming services and day and day releases and movie releases. And but the big question is is what does the future hold? Like how is what do you think has worked in the in 2021? Because it was a year of such experiments. Mm-hmm. And what do you think has not worked? Ah oh, gosh. So the the especially with the
4: Warner Brothers HBO Max day and date release strategy that they did. Um, it kind of hmm. saved me from having to go to a theater to see a movie that I didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was trying to go see Spider-Man No Way Home again, and the theater was just a little too crowded. So I, I came home and I was like, well, I'll throw the Matrix Resurrections on uh, up on uh, at home on uh, HBO Max. And it was, you know, it was not it was not for me. Uh, yeah. I understand that there, there are a lot of people that the Matrix franchise is near and dear to their heart. Um, but for me, it was like, eh, th- this is just not striking the right notes for me. But had I been in the theater, you know, you're kind of forced to sit there and watch. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the, one of the downsides of streaming. And there are, there are some great movies on streaming that I saw, that I've only seen on streaming, mm-hmm. uh, like, like Coda, which is probably yeah. my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's it's just so easy to check out when you're at home and you're streaming because yes. you've got your phone, you can hit pause, let me go grab something to eat, let me go grab a little beverage. And that's not how movies are designed. They're designed to watch from beginning to end. If if the, the filmmaker wants there to be an intermission, they will put in an intermission a la... Lawrence of Arabia or the Hateful Eight or or something like that. So I think, I think that's one of the challenging parts. I love the convenience of the streaming, but Mm. knowing, and I'm certainly guilty of it as well, knowing how easy it is to jump out and not being able to kind of get, fully get on that ride that the filmmaker wants to take you on. Um, For, I mean, for 2022, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that we are able to go back to the theaters um, and the few times that have happened in 2021 where you did have a big group of folks. I mean, mainly it was in the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. um, but but getting to have that communal experience, um, again, speaking of Spider-Man, I, I took my fiance to see it yesterday yeah. and we were in it was probably, the first time I've
0: heard you say that word fiance by the way <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome thank you um but we we
4: we're in a theater probably about a third full a quarter full mm. and she's not necessarily the biggest spider-man fan but there were certainly moments in that as we had left like she was laughing as mm. we had left she's like gosh I I was so surprised that there wasn't more of a, re- a reaction from people when these big moments kind of happened. And I was like, "Well, there was." Yeah, <laughs> two, right. two weeks ago, right, when everybody saw it for the first time. But I mean, that's something that I treasure about the theatrical experience is, is mm. getting to share, um, getting to share those big moments, getting to share this love of cinema and this love of stories and this love of these characters. Um, I really hope that we're able to get back to that because it doesn't just have to be for Marvel movies where you can have that experience. You can have that experience in a comedy. You can have that experience in dramas as well. Um, So I hope we're able to get back to that. Fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, my, my perspective on this has been evolving. I follow this, um, uh, this young uh, um, critic and uh, analyst here, Kate Sanchez. She's someone that I have really appreciated because from a female point of view, a Latina point of view, but also, like, kind of a, I'm willing to say what nobody else wants to say, kind of point of view. I really appreciate her, and she kind of uh, she released like a seven tweet thread last night that I retweeted on my Twitter because I read it and really appreciated that. This idea that we have to go back to the cinema, we have to be a slave to the cinema, and sometimes we forget. And she pointed this out that like the cinemas are a luxury for a lot of people, mm. especially depending on financial status going especially with the increasing ticket prices so there's almost this shaming that seems to be happening amongst critics and some of the intellectual quote-unquote elite intellectual elite who are claiming like if you don't go to see this movie in the cinema you're insulting film you won't get what you're supposed to get out of it and she points out rather correctly that quite a lot of us saw our first few films on tv with commercial breaks and still fell in love with these classic films and still because there were no uh, uh, what do you call those houses? There were no uh, you know, re- reviews or something, whatever you call those things, where they show them over and over again. There oh, weren't like those- second run? Yeah, there, there right. weren't those houses going on in the 70s and 80s when we were growing up, at least not where I lived. I couldn't go see Godfather Part Two in a theater. I had to see it and rent it and, and watch it at home. So it, this idea that we must go back to the cinema, it does not have to be the pervasive point of view here Uh, And if and if cinemas were to all get burnt down tomorrow, we would all still live. They'd still make films and we could appreciate them. And my counter to your point, Shannon, is if you're the one looking at the phone, the problem is you, not the streaming situation. If you're the one being distracted, going to the bathroom, getting losing the rhythm of the movie, the problem is you. But I would I would say you've probably watched a lot of films for the first time at home growing up. And enjoyed them even though you went to the bathroom or got some food or had a conversation with your mom or your dad or your sisters. Like, that's still there to appreciate. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. I,
4: I, fully, I fully accept that. That, yeah. that going on the phone, that, that's my choice. Um, where the theater experience for me is yeah. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to disturb other people around. Of course.
1: It. Of course. Um, right, and, right. And there's, that, there's a social contract kind of going on. Right. Yeah. yeah.
4: Even though not everybody follows it. No. Uh, <laughs> you would maybe say most people don't follow. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Um But yeah, I mean, I certainly, a, I understand your point of view about that. You know, the first time we see some of the movies that do influence us in a, in a huge way um, yeah. were on television. Um, but as an adult, like that's just, that's just what I want. I mean, and if you're not in a position if you don't have a theater close to you, like like I I certainly understand the luxury of what that is. And that's why when I am in a theater, I try not to look at my phone because I don't want to affect other people. So, I mean, I understand your point, but, for me, there will never be a replacement for that theatrical experience totally. with, with a with a filled with a filled house.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Steve, uh, you asked it, the question. It,
0: what are your thoughts on everything we've been banding about here? It's it's so funny. Whenever I'm watching a movie and I look at my phone at home, I also think the problem is Shannon. I, I just think <laughs> it really I blame him. Um such I, it, an influential person. <laughs> I, I I think by the way, the cost of movies is so it has become mm. so ridiculous. And I see people mentioning it uh in the comment thread that I mean it caught co- I mean for you know my family of three to go see a movie with yeah. the pop, that's an expensive outing. It's very expensive. Um I think for me personally, mm-hmm. the great thing about movies is it is it forces me to To go against my regular character, which is Mm -hmm. that, which is to 100% focus and be emotionally open to the experience the whole time, because my brain and my tendency, I am on the phone, I am distracted. I watch movies in bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And part of that is what makes it possible for me to do the cinephiles the way I do it, because I can be detached. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you watch the way I was watching Guess Who's Coming to Dinner right before uh, we got on for this. I'm starting and stopping the movie every minute, Yeah, you know, because I'm taking notes and I want to go back and look at a thing and get a line of dialogue right. And so... It is the antithesis of just putting myself into the film. So so going to the movie theater is just such a great experience for me. And it was so funny, right before the pandemic started is when I had gotten that AMC, you know, A-list, whatever the thing was. And that's when I was genuinely just going to see a whole bunch of movies, which I hadn't done in years. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad, but I love going to the movies. And I, you guys have gone to way more movies than I have in the last two years. I've gone to two movies since the pandemic started. Wow. The first was Boss Baby Two, because it was a Jack's pick, and the second is Spider Man No Way Home. Right, and wow. and it's like, I really, really do. I like the whole experience. I like walking down the hallways and looking at the posters. I like, I mm. like watching lots of trailers. I like all that stuff. I like, I like the whole thing. Is fun. Um, yeah.
1: oh, go go ahead. I was just say real quick. Said, so don't you think that's the? How can I say this? That's the foundation of the point, is that it is a luxury. So therefore, what you remembered as a child, that was the luxury. Going to the theater, seeing the posters, the experience of it all was the luxury. So that's the foundation of it, which is why you still enjoy it today, because it still evokes that memory from when you were a child. All of us were children and going to the theater for the first time and seeing the movies and being like overwhelmed by everything. Yeah, well, and even though like we, we watch movies
0: with better picture and sound than any anything we oh, yeah. ever saw when we were kids, oh I still think content is king. It's not mm-hmm. like, even though like, sure, it's great to have a great, you know, LG OLED TV that's adjusted perfectly and your 5.1 surround sound system and all that stuff. That's great. Yes. When I was in college, the first TV I could afford to buy was, I think think it was an 11 inch black and white tv (laughs) and and that's what i had in my dorm and i watched a whole bunch of movies on the little screen like this and they're great they're great because the movie was good the story was great the performances were great and yeah i was watching color movies on a tiny little black and white screen and i totally enjoyed it yeah um by the way can i just say because i i I haven't been able to say speak to anyone really about it about uh matrix because i watched it Mm. um so so fun, because I watched it in three settings, because again, this is to the point of, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'd heard you guys talk about it on Geek Buddies, and mm. I watched it, and act one, I went, I kind of like this movie. I'm finding it interesting. Yes, act one is good. And then act two, and then I come back to watch the second part, and I'm like, huh, I don't really understand what's going on or what we're doing. <laughs> and the third sitting, I was like, I, there's all sorts of action and visuals going on. I was like, just sitting there going, I cannot believe how bored I am. Yeah. I am so unbelievably bored yeah. with this movie. <laughs> it's just, it's really sad.
1: Yeah. I mean, we mentioned that the numerous reasons, I, I I think number one, you come back to the fact that you didn't cast, you didn't bring back Lawrence Fishburne and, and uh, Hugo Weaving. I think it's massive. No matter what Yaya Abdul-Mateen did no matter what Jonathan Groff did, they are not the original actors of those characters. So in essence, you're watching cosplay from both of those guys It's the same way people felt about Hannibal when Julianne Moore took over for Jodie Foster. It doesn't work. It never works. James Bond is the only time it works, which is why they don't bring over storylines from the previous Bond into the new Bond. They don't do that. It's a complete and utter new start, like Doctor Who regenerating. It's a new start completely, even though some of those villains will still cross over. It's it's just a new start completely overall. Um, All right. What about uh, 2022? Shannon, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you see happening in 2022? I mean, right now, we're essentially in a sequel of 2020 that we just finished up here <laughs> with all the Omicron variant. And as I, me- as I mentioned earlier when I was talking to Steve, they've canceled uh, Sundance, uh, the in-person screenings. They're just going on now all the virtual uh, screenings. So, like, we're seeing um, a reaction. And Europe has really shut down in certain countries and certain cinemas are being shut down. Where do you see we're going next in terms of cinema? And you talk about streaming do you think in 2022 there's going to be more of these bold decisions like HBO Max and Warner Brothers did with their day and date streaming stuff? I don't know. I don't think we'll see anything that bold um, mm-hmm. just because
4: when that decision was made it was when theaters for the most part were still shut down Right like there was Good there point. was no place to go and watch a movie. Um, yeah. uh, but I do think uh individual movies, singular movies that could so- I mean that happened to turn in red like the yes, PSR movie right. which I think looks Fantastic. I mean, yeah. that that they, they're now going to release that on Disney Plus. So yeah. it's it's just so it's so difficult to predict right now, because I think on the heels of Delta, as Delta started to kind of recede, mm-hmm. um, it looked like, OK, we're good. We're good. And then something else pops up. Yeah. And I know I've read several articles where experts are saying, well, it's it's going to peak in January. It'll start to go away. It's like, well, but then what's what's behind it? You know what is the next thing that's going to happen? Right. I do think, in terms of what movies um, are made to be put in a theater, and like we had talked about this on Geek, but I do think that's going to change because yeah. we're still in a in an era, and it's it is ending, but of movies that were greenlit before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and so enough movies that had very large budgets have underperformed to the point it's like okay, studios are probably going to reduce the number of big big budgeted movies that they make because Mm -hmm. they're just not they're just not making their money back right Um, and that's I don't know I'm of two minds about that because I mean I love a big I I love big splashy action movie you do Um,
0: <laughs> I thought you were
4: more of like a little art house indie guy. I know, huh, the art, interesting. The art house indie guy with the Rocketeer shirt. On. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I mean, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, we might see some really incredible stuff get released on streaming that you know that 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 it just isn't destined for the theaters anymore. I mean, I again, I have seen like despite the fact that I do get, I'm a little easily distracted at home. Um, we have seen some great movies on streaming. I mean, again, yep. Coda, Coda, uh, Swan Song, which I just yes. watched on- yes. So good, right? Oh. Dynamite. Yeah. How, how he has not been, at least to my knowledge, how Mahershala Ali has nope. not been in the conversation yep. for best actor is really, it's really surprising. I um, agree. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think at this point, it's, it's just so difficult to predict what's gonna happen. I mean, I think at the end of the day, again, just based off of Spider-Man's box office, People want to go to the theater like people do want that, but they are going to be a little more um, discerning about which movies they're going to see.
1: They're not going to spend as you said, Steve, like I was talking when I was back home at Christmas. I was talking to my uh, sister's husband and he's like, if I go to a movie with me and her and our two kids, that's a hundred dollars. That's a hundred or hundred twenty dollars easy if And if I have to park somewhere, if I have to pay for parking in L.A., it's even more because sometimes you have to pay for parking. Sometimes it's certain situations you have to pay for the babysitter if you're going a, like it could be expensive, for God's sakes. So you ask this question, you go, well, they're not they're not lining up for Spencer or for licorice pizza or for anything like that. And there is there a lot of those films do not need to be seen in the theater to be appreciated. Let's be let's be honest. Let's be real. We don't have to see those artsy-fartsy films in a theater. Is it great? Absolutely. Do I love going to see those artsy-fartsy films in like uh, a, a, an art house theater with other people? who are going to go, hmm, yes. Oh, oh, yes, of course, it's fun, but it's not necessary. The tentpole pictures, I think, are directed and designed and created so that people are in a theater having a church-like communal experience as they're watching it or a sports like communal experience as they're watching it. And that's a different point of view. And that, as I've said for three or years, since movie years, talk, yeah. as I think is going to be the way we go uh, in the next 10, maybe less years where less of those films are going to show up on in, in theaters, the independent films, the smaller films, And it's all just going to be the big 10 house pictures, 10 whole pictures. And that's okay. That's why the streaming services still survive because people do want that content. They want to see those smaller films at home.
0: I I think, so first of all, in terms of COVID, which is the big, the biggest variable, I think things are going to, I think we are going to be shifting towards a endemic approach to COVID rather than a pandemic approach. And Mm. that, the idea because the idea i think that we're gonna have zero covet and it's going to be totally gone and we're going to eliminate it and we're not going to go back to the world until we do that well that's not realistic yeah and and at least at this moment um being vaccinated makes it that you're not really risking hospitalization and death and so therefore i think there's going to be more and more going out now mm-hmm. if, the, if another strain comes along that's super deadly Well, obviously, that's going to change and be hugely tragic, but I think people have shown they want to go out to the movies, and I think that's going to continue. I also think that like my my gut is that the big tentpole movies, as you say, John, I think Mm -hmm. more and more of those are going to be released in the theater, and maybe the window will be shorter before they're streaming. But I think Spider-Man has clearly showed a huge desire for people to go to the movies. Surely, for those and kinds
1: I, of films, yes, absolutely.
0: And I also think for like the artsy-fartsy movies, uh, by the way, this might be the most mentions of the words artsy-fartsy in any uh, yes. any context ever. I think we really said artsy-fartsy a lot, and we should continue to say artsy-fartsy <laughs> because artsy-fartsy is a very interesting-sounding phrase.
1: I feel like there are a few fret houses that probably said it more than we have. But yes, go, fair. Ahead, uh, go ahead. Fair. But what, what I think is <laughs> (laughs) It's
0: like those are the movies we're releasing them both in the theater because we have these theaters we have these multiplexes with lots of smaller theaters is releasing them at the same time that's where that really makes sense so yeah if you want to go see it in the theater great if you want to go watch it in a streaming service that's great too um and i do and i do think though that you're right that certain kinds of films lend themselves to being in the audience if you go to see a comedy yeah or you watch a comedy by sure. yourself at home sure. those are entirely different experiences
1: right or a drama
0: with a big twist yeah yeah absolutely yeah or or a huge epic you know where that yeah. big screen and you're, you know but yes. but if you're watching you know a simple kind of nice story well
1: it, it'll be fine on tv you know? Yeah, well, and, and as 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 knowledgeable as the three of us are, and as uh, you know, opinionated and and um, how can I say this? Uh, well read and well watched, uh, for lack of a better term, about films. There's no one who is more well read, more knowledgeable, more opinionated, and more valid in their criticism of films then our next guest who's joining us live as well a gentleman who we have enjoyed on the cinephiles on numerous occasions uh steve and him co-host and the enterprise incidents podcast and he's a gentleman that i'm proud to call a friend and i'm proud that we have in our sphere and in our world the great scott
5: mance how are you scotty did someone say artsy fartsy
0: (laughs) I don't think so. I don't remember <laughs> hearing anything about artsy-fartsy. Do you? No, I don't think so.
5: Well, it, it is great to, to see you, fellas. And hi, Shannon. It's great to, great to see you, too. Good to
4: see you again, Scott. You yeah. know, I
5: did I did catch a, a lot of what you were just saying okay, about please. about the big studio films that, you know, in, in this case, Spider-Man, which is now past $1.5 billion worldwide wow. and is yeah. now the eighth highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. During a global pandemic, I might add, uh, but all of the other films, even these big studio films like West Side Story and King hmm. Richard, none of those are, are doing well at the box yeah. office because right. those movies cater to older grownups, grownups who are definitely a lot more uh, skittish about going back to the movies It's it's like Spider-Man was like the only movie that that people were willing to risk their lives (laughs) to sit in a theater to do. And and, I mean, listen, I really I love Spider-Man. I I saw it in the theater three times and I'm so happy that the movie is doing so well and that everyone loves it. And I mean, you know, no spoilers, but the last hour of that film is just sensational. But I loved West Side Story, and I'm really sad that that movie is not doing well. Of course, I understand why it's not. And I thought King Richard with Will Smith was a was a terrific film. Belfast, you know, Belfast, written and directed mm-hmm. by Kenneth Brana, terrific movie. You know, none of those movies. I don't think Belfast even made $10 million at the box office. Yeah. And, you know, right now, especially with the surge going, even though hospitalizations are not skyrocketing on the same level as infections, those uh, that target demo is justifiably skittish about going back to theaters. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame them, you know, yeah. uh, but at the same time, it's just it's just a shame. And, you know, going into 2022, hopefully this this surge will be will sort of come and go as fast as as even, you know, the, the top, uh, you know, uh, infection gurus like Fauci are saying that it'll like come and go. Yeah. And I really hope that's true, uh, because, you know, these 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 are the types of movies that need to be seen uh, uh you know you're talking about comedies yes they do need to be seen in theaters uh but you know look you know coming to america 2 was supposed to open in theaters yeah, but paramount right. sold it to amazon prime but it's just it's just a mess right now uh, and, and movie theaters are in jeopardy
1: yeah yeah you know and you know scott Manths one of these people that advocates for spider-man no way home <laughs> for consideration <laughs> for best picture here also we were talking about that earlier as well so you know even the artsy fartsy scott bantz sees the truth of spider-man no way home
5: well time. well the, th- yeah. the thing about spider-man being uh two for best picture you know that's all sony you know they yeah, are they are right. definitely gunning for spider-man no way home for best picture and look you know who really wins if if it actually gets nominated for best picture the oscars because that yeah, means yeah. that all people these watch. people people will watch the academy awards are you kidding do you know yeah. how many people would, would watch the academy awards if spider-man got nominated for best picture i yeah. mean like oh my god that would be amazing <laughs> well scott
1: what, what do you see going into 2022 that you think you know there have been so many conversations about you know, we've, it's got, and most of us have been around for a while. We've heard about the, quote, death of cinema as much as we hear about the death of rock and roll. And it's always that kind of thing, back and forth, back and forth. But this is the first time where something really kind of, has attacked people's ability to go to a theater uh, in an extended amount of time. I was mentioning how 2021 is a sequel to 2020 uh, in terms of the theaters and the Omicron variant and all this. As we go into 2022, do you think we bounce back at the levels that we did before for these more independent or medium, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, level films um, and smaller films at all, or do you think this has been irreparably damaged, those section of films, and they will – people will wait now. People have kind of gotten themselves conditional last two years to wait for these films to show up on streaming.
5: That is a – it's a great question, Johnny. It's mm. also a loaded question because first <laughs> of all well, – well, first of all, well, you feel, know, you're talking about you. – <laughs> You know, you're talking about a conversation about the death of cinema, quote-unquote, that people have been having ever since, like, radio – yeah, and te- yeah. Radio. You know, yeah. Yeah. Television, you know, tell you know that got TVs, you know, no one's going to go to the movies, you know, then you had VCRs in the seventies and the eighties. Then you had the DVDs and the Blu-rays. Then you had the streaming services. Oh my gosh, no one's going to go to the movies, but, but Johnny, like what you're saying about this with the pandemic really affecting theaters, I mean, for, for more than a year, movie theaters were closed and that yeah. is something that all those other mediums did not do. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You know, the
5: fact that they closed, the fact that you have a theater a beloved theater in LA like the Arclight in Hollywood yeah. which is the center of the movie universe if you are living in southern california and the fact that that movie theater did not reopen when movie theaters reopen that was a a you could call it a death knell if you want i mean yeah. I never subscribed to all those other theories over the last, you know, 50 years of my life. You know, people would always say, Oh my gosh, you know, the theaters are going to go away because of the streaming services. But in this case, what the pandemic did, and this is the answer to your other question, Johnny, is what the pandemic did is it sped up a process that was already in motion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And by that, you know, I mean, you're, you you know exactly where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. The fact that you had these shorter theatrical windows, you know, used to be a movie played in theaters for like a year yeah. to, before it came out on home entertainment. Then it was six months, then it was four. And then lately it's three. But you also had a situation where the types of movies that people would go see in the theater were the Star Wars films and the Marvel movies. And the the other like the mid range grown up films started to really be in jeopardy, and of mm-hmm. course the independent movies. You know, once in a while you get, you got a fluke like yeah. uh, you know Little Miss Sunshine, which did really really well. Yeah. But this really sped up the process where people will only go to the movies to see Spider Man, mm-hmm. James Bond, Shang Chi, Dune, yeah. whereas grown up films like Belfast and and King Richard and now West side story, like people aren't going to see a Steven Spielberg movie. That's based on a movie that won 10 Academy awards, including best picture. Are you kidding me? It's and and the independent films, you know, fortunately the streaming services really came to the rescue for films like that. Like, you know, there was a movie that I really loved that came out this past year in 2021 Mm -hmm. that streamed on Netflix back in February. The movie's called "I Care a Lot." You guys see
1: this? Yes, the Rosamund Pike film. Yes, yes.
5: Oh my God, Johnny! I I love that movie. Yes, good movie. Shannon, if you have not yet seen "I Care a Lot," and for everybody watching and everybody listening, I'm I'm gonna hang my hat and die on the hill and say that "I Care a Lot" was one of the very best movies of 2021. Mm-hmm. Rosamund Pike is just absolutely phenomenal. Peter Dinklage. This is yeah, a, Dinklage. a really good, fun, dark comedy mm-hmm. and uh, about a, about a profession that, that is existing and one that is definitely take advantage of, of, uh, of the elderly. Yeah. Uh, but this movie, I care a lot is streaming on Netflix anyway. So it's streamed virtually through the Toronto film festival. Right. And the year before. In 2020, when things were really, really bad, Netflix came in and picked it up. They put it on their streaming service and people were able to see that. So that's just an example of how the streaming services came to the rescue of a lot of those movies that were at film festivals, independent films. Um, You know, it's 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 a tough situation. Like right now you have this movie Parallel Mothers by Pedro Almodovar.
1: Such a good film. Such a good film. With Penelope Such- Cruz, you did a Q&A on this, uh, uh, Scott. You hosted it. Penelope Cruz is incredible in that movie.
5: She is fantastic. It's one yeah. of her best roles, and that's a bold statement. She uh, yeah. uh, was an Oscar winner for Vicky Cristina Barcelona, right, right. nominated two other times, and this is one of her very, very best roles, directed by Pedro Almodovar, who's yeah. one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And he has a new film out in select theaters right now called Parallel Mothers. And- you know will it get a wider release well that depends on if people see it in select cities right. uh, in limited release and how is it doing not that great and yeah. that's a shame but i get it people are you know those grown-ups who that movie is targeted for uh, are 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 not going to rush out to see it in theaters and those are the kinds of films that will suffer
1: yeah it's a good point shannon i know you got to go uh, thoughts on this uh, before you take off here man thoughts on so much of the information scott laid out here uh, what's your feelings on it as we go into 2022
4: you know, um, I actually saw the previews for I, I Care A Lot. And <laughs> I, was, I was so jazzed because I, 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 like I like a dark comedy. And someone said, <laughs> a friend of mine's like, it made me feel bad about life.
3: And, <laughs> and
4: where we were when that movie dropped, I'm like, eh, maybe not yet.
3: <laughs> but
4: hearing, hearing Scott's recommendation and where we are now, I'm a little more optimistic. So maybe, maybe that's what I'm going to stream when I get home tonight. Oh, Check it out, Shannon.
5: I'm telling you. You know, listen. It, it's a dark comedy. It's not meant to be taken too seriously. It's just a lot of fun. And you know, Rosamund Pike, who, who obviously you know who she is. I mean, she was a Oscar nominee for yeah. Gone Girl. You know that kind of that kind of performance, Shannon, that she gave in Gone Girl, where she was so good about playing bad. Uh, you know, I Care a Lot takes it to another level. And you're thinking like, wow, she's really really too good at this kind of a performance but i really do recommend it yeah. i'd love to hear what you think yeah. all
4: right if i uh, if i watch it tonight i will tweet at you
1: right after you get
5: <laughs> now you're talking
1: uh all right shannon thanks so much for joining us brother much love to you uh, please uh tell people where they can find you brother, on all your social media Yeah, if you'd like
4: to follow me on social media. Oh, I'm so used to doing this for Geek Buddies. I'm all... uh, Just focus on you. How about you? (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung and on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. And if you'd like to see something that I've written, my newest episode of Strawberry Shortcake dropped yesterday.
1: That's awesome! Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dan. Great
4: to see you, bud. I'll see you guys
0: later. I'll see you soon. Peace. Bye. You, you uh, know, what just uh, uh, yeah. occurred to me just, I, and I know we have uh, other guests to bring. Yeah, on, we have I two think. guests waiting to come on. Okay, Go I'll ahead, say, speak. I'll say real quick. Just listening to Scott is what I realize is that it's the it's the money. It's like follow the money is is what I've been thinking about. Is mm. that it used to be. That Hollywood is in the business of selling individual films and success or failure depended to to on the success and failure of individual films. And what I think we're seeing now with the streaming services is the commodification of Hollywood. Yeah. Is that now what you're what where they're really making their money is people buying access to a bunch of stuff, not mm-hmm. on individual stuff. It's how do I draw you to want to buy access and pay me money every single month that is and that is that different financial model is shifting everything i think
1: the content wars that's what it is you know and we have so many streaming services and yet there have been so many that have been gobbled up by other streaming services i mean warner brothers dc couldn't figure out what to do until hbo max finally showed up and (laughs) kind of solved that issue once and for all so you saw even studios looking like young babies trying to figure out how to walk in the streaming service and here's Netflix, like the uh, the old man on the block laughing at them, trying to stand upright, but eventually they will get there as the desire and the need, as Scott mentioned for these films to show up on these streaming services to be more of a regular thing. I think we've trained the audiences over. And I said this on movie talk when this first started to happen, before I got let like, go from, class, I said it more, over and over again, the audience will absolutely get used to being at home for these films. We are, as, as, as prima donna as we can be as a society in America, we're also very malleable when we need to be. And if we get access to these films, people are quite happy to sit on their couches and watch these films over and over again it's just us in the bubble that would be like you've got to be in a theater and you've got to be surrounded by all these people and you've got to have the perfect setting and the perfect temperature it's us but a majority of people are quite happy to sit at home well, uh, well that
5: that goes back to what i was saying before johnny about yeah. how people how how this the pandemic sped up this whole process
1: yes you right. know
5: when theaters did open i remember i was I was I was talking, you know, probably to you guys and certainly other other mm-hmm. of our peers and colleagues about yeah. how, you know, people got really used to watching movies from home. Yeah. Are they going to go back out to the theater? You know, and then like Shang-Chi made like whatever, 90 million dollars. It's opening right. weekend, Labor Day weekend. So it was a four day figure. But what that showed you is, you know what? People are tired of being home. They yeah. do want to go out. But they're only going to go out for a certain kind of a film. How right. many times have you guys said, you know, you you, uh, you saw a movie and you're like, that was a great ride. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that's what these movies are now. They are yeah. rides. Yeah. You know, Dune. I mean, I love Dune, but it's a ride. Shang-Chi, mm. Bond, uh, certainly Spider-Man. You know, these movies are rides and, yeah. and people are going to pay to go on the ride and they're going to watch these other movies from home because – because they're like, oh, you know, I, I'll, I'll wait. Or if it's on HBO Max, why do I need to see King Richard in a theater? Right. And, and look, I mean, ultimately, you know, for film purists like like you guys and for everyone watching and listening to the cinephiles, of course, a movie isn't a movie, I don't think, until it's playing in on the big screen. Yeah. You know, yeah. a movie, you've got to see a movie on the big screen. You just got to do it. Right.
1: That's fair, fair point of view. And let's bring in somebody who has uh, seen quite a few films on screen with us and also at home. He's a friend of ours, Steve, for quite some time. He's an executive producer. He's been a showrunner. He's been a content creator. He's been a development guy. He's worked, the t- worked the world uh, and uh, been a friend of ours for well over 20 years. Ladies and please welcome to the show a guy who's been a guest of ours and oh, and talk about a ride. Every episode we've done with him is absolutely a ride. That is the great Michael Ross. Michael, how oh, are you? Hey! <laughs> Michael, what? it's good to see you. Guess what?
6: What, what Michael? I
1: What's got that? it. you Okay.
5: It. I got it. What's that? You got COVID?
6: I got, I, got, I got the sickness with the cinephiles. <laughs> oh,
5: <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Why do I have to follow up Scott? Somebody's <laughs> got <laughs> to do it, Luck Michael. of the draw, man.
6: Everything he's saying, I'm like, Oh my God, that's so! I, I'm nervous, but I'm also yes. Everything you're saying is exactly <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's his thing, Tomlin
6: movie man, buddy. I would, I would like to say just one, one thing. I'm going to keep those. Whoa, I'm going to keep those on.
5: Yeah.
6: <laughs> Sing too. We watched it last night with my daughter. Oh yeah. Why?
5: Mm. Oh, because your to daughter. Scott. Okay. Like, that's not the point of the story. <laughs>
6: Because she's five and she gets anything she wants. Another <laughs> point of the story? It was out in theaters for, actually right behind. It was number two for three weeks. Probably yeah. could have stayed in. They yanked it out. And now every single parent that isn't bringing their child to the theater, which is a lot of us, rented that movie for $25 yesterday. And will probably be renting it again two or three more times before it lets out. I'm not saying you could do that for every movie. But yeah. there is something to be said about the you know, if you can get that quick, quick thing in the theater for people to get, I know like the economics don't work for it, but God, wouldn't that just be awesome? Where it's like, you get this quick fix in the theater, and then for the rest of the people, goes out, and you can still make a crap ton of money on it, I believe.
1: Well, Ross, as someone who's not hosting a podcast about film or not you know working in the film industry as scott Mance does as a reviewer and critic and pundit i mean you're you're you know you you do work in the industry to a certain level but you're not as you know you don't do this for a living that like we do what what, you're what do you see happening what, what you've been feeling over the last two years as more and more of these films have gone to streaming and do you find that this this is perfectly fine for you perfectly fine for your family perfectly fine for the people that you know so, in all seriousness, when Scott
6: was just talking now, I was yeah. like, it really, it, it, it made, I have not been sad about this. And now I am watching this, this show. So, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> okay. Like, I am, I do consider myself a, a film buff. I consider myself a cinephile. I don't know. I consider myself a big fan of it. Yes. I do feel, I do feel bad for a lot of you guys that have, like, that really, that is your life. It's, it is your church, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. And so, I can tell you from the people that, like, I just know and parents and everything else, the the, the theater is going to be the last place anyone takes their kids or people that they go back to. People are going to live theater before, for some strange reason. I don't know why, but it's yeah. like that seems to be the last, like, I am sad for the time. I don't know when I'm going to be able to take my daughter to a theater. And that mm-hmm. makes me, that is what makes me probably the most sad.
5: So okay. you're saying, like, the movie theater Ross, you're saying that the movie theater, even more so than going to like a theme park, is is like the last thing people are going to do for yeah. entertainment. They'll mm-hmm. they'll go to a theme park, they'll go to you know a, a dinner, you know a you know a, a Broadway show kind of theater, yeah. but when it comes to like a movie theater, it's like the absolute last resort. Why? Why?
6: Well, I think it's also coupled with the fear of being in a crowded place with people where it's very easy access in and out to. Hold on mm-hmm. a second, getting emotional. i don't know man but also i feel too like you're also talking to a person on this panel right now that like just like shakespeare in london like there should we marvel shouldn't be able to produce a movie for a year there i said it
1: oh wow Wow. Wow.
6: right like there's also too much like the only movie that i would recommend from last year the only one i care a lot did you guys see it
1: oh my god wait what
6: wait, wait hang on a second Were you is that on purpose
1: hang are you doing on this second. to curry favor with scott <laughs> wait yes, a minute he's Play shameless minute. don't wait listen to him scott. Uh, I,
5: okay my middle name is gullible <laughs> <laughs> did you see me talking about that movie about five oh scott ago?
6: i can't wait to hang out with you more in person
5: <laughs> you know me buddy ross i'm telling you i love i care a lot my god everyone <laughs> like suddenly the people at netflix are going to go Hmm, why? why? Why did I, it spike? Yeah, <laughs> you know, just go wait up. On well, now I you're now you're working in marketing, for them. Uh, it's great.
6: But one, when you said that, as you were describing. I actually will watch it. I'm not like Shannon. I I like sad movies, but like the 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 one I want to say from this year that uh, because I only saw a few. Right, yeah. I saw like literally Free Guy, which was friggin' awesome. he's oh, yeah, fun. A lot
5: Vivo,
6: of fun. which everybody missed, but I loved more than a lot of other oh, anime yeah, movies are yeah. out there. Right, but. Bo Burnham inside, and argue with me that that's gonna, not a film, so, it is, and that so, movie fucked me up, sir. So, can I say, can you I can say,
0: say, you could it. yeah. swear it's fine, we're on YouTube. Um, so, can I say, the question I was about to ask you, Mike Ross, was what do you think was the most interesting piece of entertainment last year? And I was certain you were gonna say, Bo Burnham inside, yeah, I didn't even know if you had seen it. <laughs> I because so,
6: think- we we also were obsessed during the the COVID, we got all of those, um uh the geffen at home where they would send you a package and it was a magic right. show or, or there was one where it was a single guy but he was in the whole the set was like a three-story set and he would take the camera around with him it was like what, what is this so i was very into that stuff so when bo burnham inside came out that that movie messed me up to i'd be like beyond it was also just like you know th- independent like there was independent yeah. film is that the future of independent film I don't know like yeah. but, you know who knows but.
1: Why not? Billie Eilish can record an album in her bedroom I'm sure Bo Burnham can do something in his bedroom as well I love this comment here am I being punked it felt as if they put shades on Shannon and gave him five Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, it, I it, wish that
0: was true. That would be yeah, kind of amazing, incredible,
1: like the other Shannon. Uh, but uh, let's bring on another pundit here. Is also a dad who's also got who's in our uh, sphere of punditry, very knowledgeable. about film. He's a co-host of Blurreds in the Hood. He uh, has appeared on numerous other shows. He is. He's got a stand-up comedy special out now for you all to enjoy. And I think another one coming on the way. If it isn't out already but he's a gentleman who i appreciate and i also care a lot about and that is the great jay washington what's up jay oh, jay
5: washington
1: i know right i'm here with all you amazing people and first of all
7: roka don't be kissing up to me and scott mance at the same damn time you did that at the same time which is who i care a lot about scott See, i did that scott. but <laughs> What's going on, fellas? How's everybody doing? Hey,
5: Jay Washington. You rock, my friend. Happy Uh, New Year, Jay. How are you, man? Happy New Year.
7: I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little exhausted, but what's new? Uh, but I'm happy to be here. You know, I just got done recording Matt Titan podcast with uh, Winston did my first episode back. And so nice. then I went to the gym earlier and then I still got to edit some other stuff. So
1: life is just normal. Like, it yeah, is, basically. You know? Yeah. Uh, Mike Ross, uh, Jay Washington, Jay Washington, Mike Ross, it gives you guys Mike, have minute, respect. Very nice to meet you, sir. Pleasure but, pleasure's mine. Jay, your thoughts on this? We're talking about cinema in 2022. We're talking about what's going to happen after what we've had in, in 2020 and 2021 what do you see um, happening in terms of trends for cinema in 2022 what what are studios going to greenlight what films are going to be uh getting exposure what films are not going to be getting exposure have we irreparably turned a corner uh in the world of cinema and we're seeing more of these films that are going to permanently be going straight to streaming what do you see happening here
7: i see the evolution is here Mm-hmm. This was something that was supposed to be yeah. years down the line. We were drawing, we were drawing this out. It was only everybody kept saying, "Man, it's gonna be a day when movies are gonna come out and you can straight watch it at home." And of course, theaters did not want that to happen because, again, theaters need people inside the facility. Right. But 2020 changed all that. To show all I gotta do is hit a button, and I keep telling everybody, when Trolls Worldwide made three hundred million dollars, <laughs> that was it. That was it. That lets you know it'll be done right because again like mike said parents are not taking their kids to the theater right so if a movie like trolls worldwide streaming alone can make 300 million dollars easily imagine how many other movies can do that and yes there are purists who want to go to theaters i've said this numerous times uh to many people on blurs and hood and things like that Mm -hmm. everyone unfortunately is not a cinephile right so there are people who are just like wait i get to stay at home pause the movie when I want to, go to the restroom, not miss anything, those things actually add up for people. Now, granted, yes, I'm one of those people who were like, when we saw Avengers Endgame in the theater, you know, there was something about being around a bunch of people seeing that mm, or sure. seeing Spider-Man No Way Home recently. But again, depending on where you live and the circumstance, you now have people buying projectors, putting them outside in backyards, making their, yep. own the- making their own theater experience. Yep. So... And again, also, the open air. We're still in the middle of this panorama, no matter whether people want to admit it or not. <laughs> We're true. still in the midst of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, people want to act like this is done. It's No, the quarantine lockdown period is done. Right. The pandemic is still here. And for that, people are not willing. It's weird, like Mike. everybody was saying, it's weird what people are willing to go yeah. into in a closed area. Yeah, but theaters like the are not... Thing. Theaters yep. are not it. I'm I'm telling you now. If Spider Man No Way Home would have came out simul released, oh. that number that it has in the box office wouldn't exist, right? Fair. Because That's more long. people would have stayed at home and watched it. People have waited so long for this movie. There was just like I gotta go see it in a theater. But you have other movies now that are simul released, and again, you keep getting these variants and situations that everybody's getting sick. People are like I can just watch it at home. You know There's what, Jay? A- yeah. Jay,
5: you, Jay, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, and you know when when all the that the trade papers were saying that oh the box office is back because Spider-Man is doing so great. You know, I'm saying, no, the box office is not back. Spider-Man is a fluke. Everything else Mm -hmm. is bombing. But the other thing, you know, talking about just like how, you know, we have all said uh, throughout this, uh, this, uh, this episode of the cinephiles, that what the pandemic did was it sped up this process by Mm -hmm. which people are going to stay home and watch movies. And they're only going to go out for specific films. Of course, the big budget films, but what's also happening and has been expedited by the pandemic is that the studios are using some of their must see movies to draw people to subscribe Mm -hmm. to their streaming services. I'm Mm -hmm. talking to you, Disney plus. (laughs) So you had soul which came out a year ago and yeah. so was a brilliant masterpiece Agreed. movie. Yeah. Um, and then you mm-hmm. had Luca, which was their next film, And it. now their next movie, which I forget the name of it. Turning, um, red. Yeah, Turning yeah, red. So that is that they, you know, just last week, Disney said that it was going to exclu- exclusively stream on Disney plus in the spring. So, you know, and, and, you know, Disney plus, you know, the membership keeps going up and up and up mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, Bob Iger before he, you know, went out the door at Disney, you know, he said that, you know, Disney plus is their priority and, and, and the, the pandemic just sort of made it easier for, for him to prioritize Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me bring this
7: point up real quick. What's the average uh, amount for a subscription on Disney
5: plus? The average
7: amount is about $13, right? Out on the average. Yeah. I think so. Disney Plus has over two hundred million subscribers. Yeah, wow, yep. that was fast, right? Over yeah. two hundred million. Mm. They are making a couple of billion dollars per month. Wow, yep. not in a film, not in a movie mm. per month. Crazy. So when you think of it that way, if you're again, as me as a business major, I respect what the studios are doing because you're gonna go whatever route is going to make you the most money, the quickest and easiest.
5: Yeah, and right then, now,
7: again, you're making two, at least at least two billion dollars a month in subscriptions if you're Disney Plus.
1: Real, real you, quick, you, uh, according to whole oh, so it's real quick, Steve. Sorry, we'll go right to you. Uh, it was as uh, according to Variety, as of October second, Disney Plus had 118.1 million paid subscribers still worldwide. A billion from that's still, a, that's, still yeah, over, that's still that's absolutely. still
7: that's still you know what I'm saying. I may have been about 100 million, but it's still. Over a billion dollars yep. a month. Yeah, their revenue climbed twenty six percent to eighteen point five month. billion. Yeah. So yeah. when yeah. they when we see when we see Disney Plus saying all of these properties are in development, they can do it yeah. because they understand. Everyone, think about it. People who don't have a Disney Plus hear about a new Star Wars or a Marvel property, just those two alone, people are subscribing for them. Yeah. Then you get Netflix who decided to say, you know what, we're going to make our own original content, but now we're start pulling in A-list directors and actors. Right. People are like, I got to keep my Netflix. And you keep having these things. So that transition, you're going to have the big... The big theater feel where you have the old school AMCs and the 16 screens and all Mm -hmm. that, that's going to possibly die down. Let's just be real. That's what's going to – all the smaller screens are going to stay like to art house type theaters. You're not going to have this anymore because, again, 2020 sped up what should have taken 10 years. Yep, Yep. agreed. Steve, Agreed. what were we going to say? So Sorry about so, that.
0: so, first of all, Jay, that, that, that I totally agree. And that's kind of what I mean by the commodification of mm-hmm. it is that people are buying access. They're not just buying an individual movie. But what I wanted to say was, you know, we've been talking so much about the amazing, perfect cinema experience where it's opening weekend. You're seeing a great movie on a great screen with great sound and a great crowd. And that's awesome. But that is not actually all your experiences in a movie theater because it's there's mm-hmm. also the you know it's wednesday afternoon in glendale and you go to it sorry glendale but I had <laughs> terrible experiences there. But like like where there's people on their phones and there's people talking and their kids screaming and there's just and it sucks you know and so and so my living room is way better than that experience yeah, yeah you know yeah. and that's a lot of what movies are you know
5: yeah, yeah. i i saw spider-man in uh uh, you know, I, I I did not go, uh, real quick story. I was yep. supposed to I was supposed to cover the premiere, uh, you know, the red carpet, and then go right. see the movie, you know, when I was done with the red carpet. But um the previous night, I was exposed to somebody that that tested positive. Oof. So I was not allowed. I mean, I never tested positive. I was right, negative right, right. the whole time, but because I was exposed, mm. I was I and I found out at two o'clock three hours before I was supposed to be on the red carpet that I could not go see Spider-Man. I was, I was devastated. So, you know, I waited till the weekend and I saw Spider-Man with a couple of my buddies Mm -hmm. and I was glad. I was like, Oh, this was actually great. I got to go with my friends. Mm -hmm. So they live um, in Anaheim, not, not too far from Disneyland. So I met them there. We went to uh, a Cinemark Cinemark theater Mm -hmm. and guys, I was like, what the hell happened to the movie going experience? Oh, the yeah. kids are talking oh, yeah. they are they are on their phones, and wait a minute what I couldn't believe this i with my own eyes, but uh, you know there's a certain point of no way home when there's a big surprise, and somebody held up their camera to the screen and took pictures of the wow. screen wow. with their phone mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like. Yeah. Ned, this never happens at press screenings.
1: (laughs) And that's the thing I come back to is that like we live in this bubble. I don't mean in a negative way, but we've we've worked hard to be a part of this punditry industry, worked hard to be Mm -hmm. in this thing. And we hold on to it with both hands because – we get to still live that cinematic experience to a degree, yeah. especially living in Los Angeles. You know which theaters to go to where you can, where you know everyone's going to, that's why the arc light, the death of the arc light. just now, what I was going to say. Right. Yeah. was such yeah. a sad loss because everybody knew who went there. Yo, you don't pull the fucking phone out. You yeah. don't do any games. You're not you, talking. You're not talking. There's two trailers and then we see the movie. Damn it. Yeah. And you talk about it afterwards in the bar and give them money for the drinks. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. But like what you go a few miles outside that's in essence, mm-hmm. that's the regular people and the regular people don't give an F that much about that situation. It doesn't mean that there are people who respect it, and love it, certainly, but there's enough people who go to the theater just for fun and think they're but, in their living room. But that's, and that's the
7: thing. That's the yeah. majority of people and people yeah. forget that. I agree. That I agree. unfortunately, it's an unfortunate fact, but the majority not, of people don't care about the cinema experience. And it's not right. just the movies. This is, this is everything. Yeah. People yeah. on Broadway. I'm so glad that it that it is
6: this because now I can watch every single Broadway show yep. on TikTok on my phone. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I want to blow my brains out, but I get to see Hamilton. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, but it is, it's, so that's oh, why I yeah. propose oh, here I we know go. everybody has the ability, but like you saw at CES. I don't know if you've seen at CES now, all of these now, like with the movie projector camera that also has the like. We're starting to see now, is there a technology way? So like, that's a for example, point. John was just saying, I host movie nights in my backyard. I have one of those huge blow-up screens. Yep. And I feel bad because my five-year-old, I've still not taken her to go see a proper movie. And I'm going to, and it's going to be amazing when I do, okay? I feel
5: but, bad, too. I never got invited, but that's okay. Ron. That's all right. Oh.
6: <laughs> now you're all family, and I have your yeah,
5: house.
1: You can take my seat. I'm in San Diego. You can take my seat. got <laughs> this
6: big blow-up screen, right? And this amazing yes, you do. experience, I would as a person that hosts, and it's like twenty people I come over, right? I would pay a thousand dollars for a license to be able to view that. You know what I mean? Like, and I know you're in that place, but like, is there an in-between where you know what? You can yeah. still make your money if you give it to me three weeks after your premiere. Again, I know it's not an answer. The in movie experience, <laughs> it's not an answer, but right maybe we can give the power to the people that you know to to help. To help out the bad situation, I don't it's know. It's an I interesting think, thing.
7: Yeah, but again, at the end of the day, I, I agree with what you're saying, Michael, and I agree with what you're saying, Scott. It's it's one thing. This is a business. Yeah, the experience. Yeah, this is a is. business. It's mm-hmm. no matter how much we may feel about what corporations may do, what different movie yeah. studios may do, it is a business. At the end of the day, and the only reason you go into a business like this is to what? Make money. Yeah, and, and you know what? Re-
5: business businesses. I think you know it's the 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 mantra they have to live by is adapt or die. Yeah and
7: and that's again 2020 I, you brought up talking on movie talk broker. I remember yeah, yeah. when Disney Plus I was on movie talk the episode when when like uh Disney Plus was announced HBO all list that the mm-hmm. third. I said People don't understand. We as consumers made this happen. Why? Because we started pushing that whole cut the cord from cable movement. Right. When we pushed that cut the cord from cable movement, all of these subscription services were like, what? Bet. But -hmm. then the problem became, as you started getting so many services, they added up and everything plus your internet charge, you started paying more collectively than you
1: realized what you were paying beforehand. Mm Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, it, no. it, it, it works mentally because it's like paying for the gym, right? Well, I, it's gonna go out of my bank account anyway. I don't have to go if I don't mm-hmm. want I, I know I should go, but it becomes something you're absent-minded about. I Man, I would even argue that we have that all of us who have Patreons have subscribers that are just like, well, I don't really participate in anything, but you know what? It's five bucks out of them, no big deal. I don't yep. get like it's just like it's too much stress and uh, and a uh, thought to try to take it off. So I'm just going to leave it. And I think it's the same thing with streaming service. And I think all these companies have banked on that just like gyms have banked on that for many years that it's mm-hmm. too much trouble just to stop it. So you're just going to let it go uh, as is. And I think that's where you could. going. But Ross, you brought up a very, very interesting point. This idea of how is technology going to adapt to fit to the desires of the consumers that are now changing as we see them being more and more okay with seeing films at home in large numbers, depending on the film, are they going to now allow for some way for you to be able to screen a film like experience in your own home without having to necessarily build out a huge uh, theater room? Will you be able to do that in the backyard? And do you pay a license? I mean, I think that's so interesting to see that as a possibility and will that technology now become so um. So, um, available that the prices go down. I mean, remember Well, we'll look at what Disney Plus is doing VCRs now with the IMAX. Were, just real quick, VCRs were a thousand dollars if you remember the first time they yeah. came out. You can get one for a blu Blu-ray players, same thing. You get a Blu-ray player for sixty bucks in a in a blowjob. Go, yeah,
5: wait, Jay, wait, what are we Jay, Jay. what Jay. Jay, we're gonna <laughs> say there, Jay. Think about. about- <laughs> Look at how Disney Plus
1: is now out. They,
7: they're now giving the enhanced IMAX experience. Right. Yes. Disney Plus. Disney Plus, right. The 3D. Through, you're right. Yeah, IMAX. That's right. That's right. It's through Disney Plus. This isn't, you don't have to do anything. They're like, now we have an enhanced. So, what Disney Plus yes. was like, how many people are going to watch Mandalorian, watch the Mandalorian, watch Shang-Chi, yes. watch all these movies in this enhanced experience? They get those numbers. We might not get those metrics. Right. They get those metrics, and from those metrics, you will start seeing more and more of their properties yep. come out that's IMAX enhanced. And all the person has to do now is, again, a mic can set up in his backyard. All he has to do yeah. now is buy a bigger surround sound system to and compensate what the IMAX sound is. Yeah. So it's automatically done. Yes, yeah, CES is going to bring out a few more things that are going to make stuff able, easily able to be purchased at a Best Buy and whatnot. But right. for the most part, the studios know. Okay, like you just said, Scott, adapt or die. Well, you know,
0: Jay, I think you brought up something that's so important, which we haven't talked about, which is yeah. metrics. One of the differences between the movie theater experience and the streaming experience is when you're on Disney+, Plus, they know when you pause the movie, yes. they know what you watch, they oh, know how yeah. long you watched it. They have so much data, and that data can drive the decisions they make in their business in a mm-hmm. really, really but clear Steve, way.
6: Steve, the one thing they don't have data for, right, which is also what we're seeing with Verizon and the rest, and I know yeah. this for a fact, they don't have demographic, a lot of demographic mm. information. Yeah, that's what they now. don't have, yeah. Now, back, right, I'm sure they do now because I've been to a Disney park and I entered on all of my family's information and I'm sure it is now linked to my Disney Plus. So oh, maybe that's they need it true, before, yeah. But mm. I know a lot of these streamers, one of the big problems they're having and all of a sudden, like, Nielsen ain't looking too bad with their 50,000 boxes in these houses (laughs) because they don't have any idea who is actually watching the content. So I'm Mm. sure that, like you said, uh, Mr. J. Washington, that is the next
5: step for sure. I I just want to say in terms of like, you know, the big screen versus streaming. You know, I said this, you know, right at the top of the conversation is Mm. that movies, movies are not movies unless they are shown in a movie theater first. So, but, but even if you miss it in the theater and catch it on streaming, it's not going to be the same because like, let's say this movie, did you guys see Power of the Dog? Yeah.
1: The Cumberbatch Western. on okay, no, Netflix. Yeah. Right.
5: yeah. Okay. So I saw that at the Telluride in a mm-hmm. theater and like, you know, Jane Campion directed the movie, the, the scenery, the vistas, it's really, really beautiful. The landscaping, it's really immersive. Like it really feels like uh, you know, you're out there in the the West and everything like that, and and then I saw it at home, on Netflix, and it, boy, did it lose a lot. Uh, it it was like I I could not lose myself. You know, I have a you know 65 inch TV. I could not appreciate the scenery and the you know the 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 production design of the film, and I got to say that movie is. Absolutely overrated. It is so <laughs> fucking boring. It is so.
1: that's so how you really feel, Scott. Oh, I, I thought we got, were talking about I, licorice pizza. No, we're is. talking about Power of the Dog. Talk okay, about overrated. But
5: I, don't, I don't get it. Power. But let me the dog ask you this question though. But let me so ask you this question. Overrated. Go ahead. So let me ask you this question though, Scott. Go
7: ahead. Let me ask you this question though, Scott. To you, the experience is different because you are a cinephile. You are a person who appreciates in the theater. There is someone else who just may watch it on a regular screen is like, damn, this is still dope to them. Like, Dune is the prime example of that. How everybody who was a fan of Dune was like, you have to see it on the big screen. And there were many people who weren't fans of it who watched it on the TV was like, I liked it just as fine. You see what I'm saying? It depends on the person.
1: Well, it does. Yeah. And, and Jay, you make an excellent point. We brought this up earlier, Scott, before you came on the show. Like, <coughs> I saw Lawrence of Arabia on the television for the first time, and I was still Me too. on yeah. a 25-inch television mm-hmm. that all we could afford, and I was blown away. The first time I saw Godfather, same television, rented the film on VHS, and I was still blown away by it. I think there are some films that transcend how you watch them and where you watch them, but that doesn't mean – you're not getting the optimal experience in a theater that's absolutely probably the truth it's just that more people don't are there aren't we aren't we aren't like the biggest bucket of people that goes to see these things that it's the regular people people who are not so not regular but people who aren't cinephiles who just go to the movie or mm-hmm. see it at home it's not a big deal and some people can't afford going to the movie. Some people, it is actually a luxury to go see a $15 film. And I, you know, I got skewered for this year uh, a couple of years ago on Move when I said it's the price of a Taco Bell lunch. What's the big deal? But yeah, the truth yeah. is, once you actually do the analytics and look at this stuff, which you mentioned, Mike, the demographics and the analytics here, you realize there are quite a lot of people who live below the poverty level in our country. And yes, going to see an $8 movie is a legitimate conversation that you're having with sure. yourself. Uh, uh, depending on your budget,
7: yeah. C- can Especially I- if you're so- trying to get concessions and stuff like that, not just the oh movie. yeah,
1: not just the movie, right? Exactly. C- can, so- can I change the subject
0: a little bit? Sure. I, something came up a while ago, and it's like the opposite end of what we're talking about, which is John. You mentioned Patreon, and yeah, yeah. obviously we have Patreon uh, a while ago, and I just want to bring up there's this other end that's happening right now where individual creators without a studio, without a lot of money behind them, are able to create things and get paid directly from the people that listen to or watch Mm -hmm. the thing that they do and i think that is one of the most amazing things because one of the things as a person who's tried to create stuff my whole life and tried to get my stuff out there that not having to have a middleman who not only changes and forces you to do what they want you to do but also takes the lion's share of the money like to be able to just create something and you get to pay a creator directly for something that you love yeah that is an amazing change that's really happening right now
1: i agree scott last words on this i know you got to go brother man thank you so much for giving us the time you gave us we know you're busy so any final words here as we as you uh wrap up your, your spot here on the cinephiles episode
5: you know listen I, i'm proud to be a cinephile and i'm proud to be here on the cinephiles and you know what it's like yes i'm definitely looking at things so you know with the with blinders on because i just you know, always cherish the movie going experience, but you know, it pains me when I see people watching movies on these things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's just Agreed. not the way movies should be seen. Right. But uh, I think that the movie going experience, our, our, our temple, the movie theater is in jeopardy. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I just don't know how much longer uh, the the you know the movie theater experience can withstand the ravages of this pandemic. I mean, yeah. of course, there are far more important things like people's lives. Right. But yeah. uh, you know, being a cinephile, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I am, I am deeply concerned about the future of the movie going experience.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Dude, Thanks so much for your time, brother. Great points. Absolutely. Look, advocating for a cinematic experience does not mean you're necessarily being an elitist. It means that you know and love the medium of film and you know the optimal way to enjoy it. And advocating it for it does not mean excluding other people. I want to make sure that's clear and clarified here because I've seen that battle online. It's driving me insane. So Scott, (laughs) thank you so much. You're the best, brother, man. Thank you for joining Thanks us. So much, you, great seeing
5: you guys. Thanks so Scott, much, Scott. I'll see, see you.
1: you. I'll see you on the Enterprise. You
5: got it. Beat me out of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take care, brother. All right. You can follow Scott at Movie man Follow him for all he's doing. Of course, as Steve mentioned, there uh, co-hosting the Enterprise incidents as well. Um, Steve, you had some. Do you have any other questions you want to throw in, Steve? we got about ten minutes left in the show. Well, since since I mentioned
0: it, I'm curious if you guys have discovered. You know, the pod, the small creator, not the big one, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the, you know, the other art that you've discovered over the last
7: year that's been really amazing. I mean, being a part of Blurs in the Hood I as part of one throughout the pandemic that started because of we created a platform. We created, Winston A. Marshall, myself, created something while everybody was locked down. And we just were like at first, all right, let's just see what happens. We did some, we, we pre-taped it. And then all of a sudden we pre-taped four or five of them. And we were like, yo, let's try it live and see what happens. And so we were able to grow that. I've watched people who have grown making sketches and things like that. Yeah. Solely through, totally through Patreon. I've always, because I I'm writing now, I'm writing pilots as an actor. I want to be able to write my own stuff, but yeah. always I go back to what Issa Rae created via mm-hmm. straight YouTube. Mm. Creating Awkward Black Girl and mm. having that get so much traction that it gets picked up and turned into Insecure, which became one of the highest rated shows ever. And so you see this consistently, again, Patreon, OnlyFans even. It's yeah. funny because people always think OnlyFans is just for porn. And it is not. Mm. It is not. it is just, it, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not. That's the thing. People think it's just because that's all we hear about. Yeah. But only it just has the open ability to do that. So again, these times have forced people to, not just corporations, but regular people to adapt.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Jay, I know you got to go, brother. Uh, any final words to add to what you just said here?
7: Uh, I, I, I do enjoy going to theaters and I enjoy movies, but I also understand the bigger picture, mm-hmm. that me enjoying theaters is a small percentage of the overall viewing public. Yeah. So we're going to have to learn to adjust and be like, Yo, we might not consider watching things at home the optimal experience, but now because this population is always on the go, like Scott said, he hates seeing people watch him on these, but that's why you're able to watch him on these now. Yeah, and right. so this is, it's the next two years are really going to show how far, like I said, the big blockbuster multi-screen theaters, those may die down. Yeah. You'll start having just the, like the art house type deals.
1: Yeah, fair point. All right, well, that's Jay Washington. Uh, Tell him where you can find your brother, man, and all the things you got going on.
7: Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere. Mr. J. Washington is spelled down below. Blurred in the Hood every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Me and Winston A. Marshall. YouTube.com, twitch.tv slash in the Hood. And the Mad Titan podcast comes back tomorrow. It's where I get you caught up on all the things happening in the Marvel and DC live action cinematic universes. It is barbershop talk for nerds. So mm-hmm. come on in the convo. I'm doing a bunch of auditions, so I should be appearing on some commercial soon. Who knows? <laughs> I, I got a bunch of stuff I got to do. That's why I got to go. Uh, thank y'all for having me as <laughs> always. Thank you, Jay. Great to see you. We love you,
1: Jay. We love you, Jay. Uh, All right, that was Jay Washington, ladies and gentlemen. Phil coming in saying, the neighborhood is such a great community. Respect to Jay and Winston. Thanks to Roka for leading me to discover Jay through sports through game time, not sports time. God damn it. Get it right, Phil. Uh, Ross, uh, I know you got to go as well. Any final words here as we wrap up our conversation on uh, film?
6: I want to see those two fight. (laughs) (laughs) Jay and
1: Scott?
6: (laughs) Yeah, like not – I know what they both have to say now. I yeah, want to yeah. see them. I'll fist the cuffs.
1: Oh well, wow. they, they, they've done it verbally for sure <laughs> on numerous shows, and they're great. That's why I love that we got we're able to get them for the cinephiles today with me and Steve because they are just fantastic guys. With great I, I felt like I was
6: just Ending watching Christmas. the show and I forgot I was on it for a few minutes there. So that was, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was they're they're hysterical. I actually have a question for you guys.
3: Oh, because
6: hmm. uh, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was waiting for the right time to to ask. It, yeah, which now is, it is. You know, with, yeah, now it is. just us. The You know, with the we, daughters turning five in a few days here, I, the, the urge, John, and you will have this one day, of the timing, and Steve, you've had this, of when to show them certain things is a mm. humongous responsibility.
0: I, I think five, I think five is old enough
1: for Last Tango in Paris. What do you think? <laughs>
6: Thank you very much. It's been great. Well, maybe Midnight
1: Cowboy. <laughs> Please. I think one of the positives to, to, to us ne- uh, not having children or not not going to have children is that I don't act, I don't uh, expose them to stuff at early and feel guilty about it for the rest of my life. I, too no. early, too Look, early. You know, Killer
6: Clowns from Outer Space at three was a bad decision. <laughs> we discussed that. We talked about that.
1: No, I saw Jaws at ten and it messed my life up for the rest of my life. We so all saw, I, saw,
6: I saw. Halloween at like seven, so <laughs> oh, I don't want to yes. hear it. You know, yes. like Waitrose. No. And I know not the whole trilogy, the whole yeah. thing. It's only by her, she's only gonna see three films. She's never gonna see the Raps. Star Wars.
0: Uh Jax yeah. was probably so th- I struggled with this. Yeah. And he, here's two things. Oh, video drone just popped up. Because- that <laughs> movie messed me up, man. Steve, the reason I asked two. <laughs> uh- <laughs>
6: here it comes <laughs> here they come i knew it steve the reason i asked too is because uh, we just went to disney and we got to ride she rode rise of the resistance oh yeah nice, nice right she rode uh 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 so we did we did all of it so we did cantina that is her first exposure to star, star wars guys wow. was going in that land so steve go ahead that's
0: I'm so here, so here is my first piece of advice is don't get your hopes up for the experience that you want them to have. Like <laughs> and, and, it, and it's a really, really tough one. So I wow. agonize about this. I went on websites, like, what order should you show Star Wars and thinking about it? And it ended up the first Star Wars movie that Jack saw was The Phantom Menace. And oh, the wow. thing is, is, and it was funny, I hadn't seen it forever. And I was watching, it, I'm like, oh my God, this movie's so terrible. Um, he totally liked it. He was, I think, four or five and he has no memory of it now he right. then we watched then we watched the original trilogy which he really liked but the problem is comparatively mm-hmm. star wars the new hope is slow you right. know it oh, is yeah. a slowly paced film and so like it it's kind of he did like it, and it was so funny, too. I'll just say, like, I said, hey, Jax, why don't we watch The Clone Wars together? You and me, we'll sit down and we'll go through the whole show. We got through two episodes. He's like, I don't want to do this. And I'm just going, like, if my dad had come to me and said, Steve, I want to watch Star Wars with you. Let's do that. I would be like, really, Dad? <laughs> oh, Papa, and my, finally. And my son comes to me and goes, Dad, come on, let's watch this YouTuber. And I watch like, 30 seconds. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I can't look at this. This is the most heinous things I've ever seen. So so, but there are he does like the original Star Wars trilogy. He doesn't love it. He he but it has been definitely a how we roll things out to him. So he's yeah. now 10. He's seen both Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade, wow. loved them yes. both. That was great. We showed him, and maybe this is bad parenting, but we showed him Die Hard, uh, which he Ooh. loved. Yeah. And it's like it's violent, but it's not scary. Right. And so my
6: my daughter will not be watching Die Hard until she's 18.
1: That's also the
6: for dating too. That's that's so funny. Oh, it's, it's
1: you're so you're so cute. Good luck. You're so thank cute. You. That daughter's gonna run all over you, pal. You're so cute. Yeah. Um. All right. Then. Well, thank you, Ross, for joining us here as we wrap up. You're the best, brother, man. Um. Do you have anything to plug? Like, what are you working on? What are you nothing, bro? Really? Nothing. Okay. No, all man. Right. I mean, like, yes. You know what? Go. If you've got
6: daughters, you've got girls six to nine years old lol surprise and rainbow high we've got two animated series that are both killing it right now not only on youtube but second lives on um on uh, on netflix so mm. go check them out they're 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 cute they're awesome they're good shows. yeah my awesome. Uh,
1: that's my, great i just gave two of those lol dolls to uh, my uh, niece for christmas so <laughs> thank yeah you my, Shout thank, out thank you for my bonus i appreciate it you're welcome all right we well, can follow ross at otter puppet there and uh much love to you brother great to see you. it's been so long so thanks so much for taking the time Thanks, Thanks for I coming by, Mike. It. We love, love you. you. All right, Steve. And then there was you and I, the two of us, to wrap up this show. Um thoughts final thoughts uh, final things you want to talk about anything you want to throw out
0: there before we wrap it up it's so funny when we set this thing up I, and and hoping that we would have these guests just kind of pop in yes. i had no idea where it was going to go and it went exactly where i wanted it to go yeah you mm-hmm. know i just i so enjoyed having these guys come on the show it was great seeing everyone the conversation was fascinating yeah so i i i absolutely enjoyed it and i hope absolutely. everyone watching did too
1: yeah. Uh, the, yes. A thousand percent. You know, hosting these kinds of shows are a lot of fun because you never know where it's going to go. But when you've got professionals like Scott Mance, like uh, Shannon McClung, like you, like uh, uh, Mike Ross, it helps that they understand the situation and they can get in and get out uh, when they feel comfortable doing that. And so we're very thankful they took their time to hang out with us today. And I thought we had some great conversations as a Agreed. Agreed. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I definitely
0: learned a bunch. It's funny. i i a professional like Mike Ross, I want to say what what he had said in the private chat because just <laughs> I just found it funny. Cause he was he, it was there's a moment where we're discussing when he was gonna come on and Scott yeah. was on and he said he said he said, All good here you guys whenever you want i'm going to ruin whatever you're talking about anyway (laughs) and i I wrote can't wait because with mike ross who knows
1: knows you never know happened yeah well before we wrap up steve we do have three stream labs that came through so let's read them real quick and answer them wayne edwards donated and he said thank you wayne first of all hello john and steve okay guys it is time to do fail safe i love it in my top 10 it is so underrated living under the shadow of dr strange love john is the criterion edition that i do uh mance mentioned he would do it with you guys what does steve think uh i haven't seen
0: it since high school i have the, wow. only the vaguest memory of it um I, it, it's funny we've done i would totally do it yeah we've been talking about this crowd pleaser thing and we've been talking. we it was so funny in the beginning of 2021, you said very clearly, I want to do more classic films. Yeah. And I think we've really done that. And then uh, we really did a lot more classic films. And we did, and then because of Bogdanovich and Sidney Poitier, you know, we're doing some more classic films. And so I think it's gonna be a while before we do feel safe. I think yeah. we need to get back into the modern era yeah. and uh, but I'm not opposed to it.
1: Yeah, and Wayne, you know, the easiest way to make an habit is being a $50 and above uh, patron. Is that correct, yeah. Steve? Is that right? So will you get your one of your selections chosen at some point during the run of our show? Uh, M-O-N Mon donated, says, I cut cable to save money. Now there are a million streaming services. Who has time to track which app has what? I remember wanting to see the Rosamund Pike film and then forgot it's overwhelming and going to the theater can be easier, but has to be a spectacle film. Yes, Steve, that's actually an interesting point. Going to the theater allows them to curate films that I need to see and I have a certain amount of time to see it or else it's gone. So there's almost like an impetus that theaters kind of serve that purpose as well.
0: First of all, in terms of the money thing, I had the same experience. We literally, when we cut the cord a long time ago, yeah, I literally did a spreadsheet because that's the kind of person I am to figure <laughs> out how much, what the cost was. And I figured out that we would save, I think it was $1,700 a year wow. by, by, and, and be able to see everything we wanted to see by getting rid of cable. Yeah. That is totally not true now. Yeah, because there's so many streaming services, and it's and and I so I have Hulu and Netflix and HBO and Disney. It's a, mm-hmm. it ends up costing a lot of money for all this stuff. Um, it, as far as the movie thing is concerned, I think that's a great point of the because what happens is there's that movie you want to see that's on Netflix, and maybe yeah. it's the more heavy series movie. It's like, well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll right. get to it. When it's in the theater, you have to go see it because well, it's not only going to be in the theater for a limited amount of time. I yeah. think that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Thank you, Moan. And Phil P. from London. Massive love from London Town. Respect the stacked list. uh, Sorry. Respect the stacked guest list, John and Steve. Has the cinema box office versus streaming debate been impacted by the fact uh, that times people are scared to go to the cinema even when they could, and we streamed for our sanity? Yes. Mm, Yeah. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I saw someone... Uh, sarcastically posting a comment here saying, oh, you guys, you guys are hypocrites overreacting to a once-in-a-lifetime virus. No, what it is is we are reacting and having a conversation about something that's actually happening. Who gives a shit if it's once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-million-years, or once every year It is us talking about what is actually happening and analyzing what we think is going to happen next. And you're a fool if you think people don't get used to a certain thing and then just kind of let go of remembering how this other thing was. It happens all the time. It's called evolution, as Jay mentioned earlier, or progression. We all do it. We all do it in micro ways and in macro ways in our lives, depending on those things. Remember that place you used to go to all the time? Why would you stop going to it? I don't know, because one day you just didn't want to go anymore, and then it just became that was your thought about it. And then all of a sudden, this place you used to go all the time becomes something you used to do, and you probably won't do again because you grew out of it or you evolved past it. That happens all the time in life. Cinema, films, the way we're going to see them, same thing could be happening for a lot of people in our country, in our world.
0: So first of all I don't think this person knows what the definition of the word hypocrite actually is because <laughs> a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and yeah. then actually behaves in a different way. Right. I don't understand how us discussing cinema and the fact that it's in the middle of a pandemic is hypocritical. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. But I but I I think it was jay's point and you just mentioned as well that's the key is that this made the evolution happen faster yeah is that it was a catalyst because it's not like all these streaming services were in the works yeah yeah they were we were already having discussions about day and date releases we were already having discussions about you know netflix and amazon were already coming into the world apple was already coming in we were already talking about can these movies be oscar movies who makes these movies what are the the unions are already worrying about how the uh pay structure is all going to work this was all happening yeah. the pandemic made it happen
1: faster yeah it's something i said it on on, on movie talk when we first started when it started happening i was like this is going to happen i didn't anticipate it happening this quickly but it was going to happen and sure enough yeah we all were saying it at the, around the same time because we all sensed it as analysts of the business we saw what was happening so yeah yeah all right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Thanks for your Streamlabs and your Super chats. Thanks for keeping the chat lively. We had almost, we had a little around 70 people joining us live. So we appreciate it, Madly. If you're still hanging out, please make sure you hit that like button on this video. And if you watch it later, Hit the like button and leave a comment. Likes and comments elevate the visibility of everything we do here on the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to the Cinephiles YouTube channel and you enjoy this conversation, well, hit that subscribe button down below and hit that bell button so you see when we're dropping all the new live shows. We do one live show every month, the Cinephiles Live. It's a new thing we've done over the last few months and people have enjoyed it, so we're going to keep doing it for sure. Steve, any final words? Any uh, and Where can people find everything we do and you as well?
0: Well, I think after they're done liking and subscribing here on YouTube, they should also go subscribe on their favorite podcast place because you might want to get it both places. Yep. Um, and while you're there, you can review it. <laughs> it came out sounding weird. Yes. <laughs> Look, it's a live show. You know, <laughs> Sometimes things come out sounding weird. <laughs> you're, earlier, you said that I could get a Blu-ray player for a blowjob. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. <laughs> um, but uh uh go leave us a review on apple Podcasts. apparently you can also now rate the show on spotify so if you yes. listen through spotify please rate the show right up above our heads it says patreon.com slash the cinephiles that is where you can suggest a film you can listen to our cinephile shorts that we put out every week we have one coming out on the oscars i think is the next one coming yeah. out yeah and and we also we're talking about some of the stuff we talked on uh, here we have some really good shorts coming. You can subscribe to the show. I'm sorry. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cine underscore files on Instagram at the Cine Files podcast. And I'm SR Morris. It's right below me. And of yeah. course, my partner on my other podcast, Scott Mance, you already saw yes. Enterprise Incidents. And we're doing the original Star Trek series. And John is going to be on, I think, real soon yeah, to do a to really fantastic episode that I've been thinking about a lot, a lot life. My Mark Leonard imitation. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, yes. Thank you uh, so much to everybody. And yeah, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Head on over to my YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com/slash John Roca, where you can see all the stuff I've got going on. The Geek Buddies Jedi Way, uh the John and Wendy Show, my reviews, my trailer reactions. uh Also, I've talked to Steve about Steve coming on to the show, coming on to the channel a little bit more often here in 2022 doing some reviews with him about current films because so many of you have asked us to break 10-year rules well a way to do that is to have steve come on and currently review a film with me for a few minutes so i'm he's very been very gracious to say yes so look for that coming up on the outlaw nation channel as well for sure ray dominguez uh, showing some love to us saying catch in the replay later cheers gents thank you ray appreciate it thank you
0: very much ray you're the
1: best Uh, yep Oh, no, just one more thing.
0: You just put it in the chat is we have our annual listener survey. There's a link in the chat. And this is where, among other things, you can help us pick the you could vote for the first movie of 2012 that we're going to do on the cinephiles, as well as an early film that we're going to redo in our much more expansive format. And there's some other interesting questions in there. We'd love to get to your
1: answers, too absolutely and go back to around the 16 minute mark for this show and you'll see all the announcements we have for what we're doing with the cinephiles in 2022 the 16 around the 16 minute mark we launch into our announcements which include marvel stuff uh uh, spike lee will be doing a couple of months probably of spike lee at least a month maybe a couple of spike lee and so so much we've got coming out here in 2022 uh and as well as the survey that steve mentioned as well so there you go. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Be well. We love you. If you want to have some more of me, I'm going to be on the World Girls Channel at 7 p.m. PT tonight, answering 69 or 21 questions. I don't, know what I don't know what I'm in for, but I know that's what the name of the thing is called. So come and join me 7 p.m. PT tonight on the World Girls Channel. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new Cinephiles Live episode here for me and Steve on the Cinephiles. Take care and Happy New Year. Happy New Year.